Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your host, Aman Kusro, and I am joined by my recently overpowered co-host that's dominating the meta, Zach Cachetta. You've got a very nice like haircut going, so I'm enjoying it. The, the awkward in-between phase where I can't like tie it up or do anything with it, but uh, it'll get there. I'm sure. Probably. I think. I think it looks really good. Like you look more like one of those those dudes from Scarface, like the handsome gangsters. <laughs> you know, uh, you're killing you, you it. You know, I, I often get mistaken for a drug dealer. So yeah, that's that's really what it's, I'm going it, for. It's it's meant as a compliment. I think <laughs> I don't like where you're taking it, but I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. But regardless, <laughs> um, the other laugh that you hear in the background is uh, probably familiar to you if you've listened to this podcast before. Um, it's a good friend of a show, a good friend of mine as well, and my occasional roommate when we travel, um, all the way from. Canada, we have Captain Murder, aka Just Derek. Hey, how's um, it going today, everybody? The signature. You know, some people have intro music when they walk into the ring or the arena. Yep. Derek's is just cracking a beer. Well, friends don't let uh, French shades by sober, and we're definitely not going to be podcasting sober anymore. I like this. I Those like this energy. This is great energy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, cool. Well, um, as you can see, we've got a star-studded cast today. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Norwood early meta. Um, there's been a lot of conjecture and conversation surrounding some of the warbands and the perceived lack of diversity in terms of official events. So we'd love to discuss that um, as well as some popular warbands. We're going to talk about championship. Um, Derek also really wants to talk about Nemesis, so we're going to be covering that as well. Um, in addition to our regular slated, um, I guess, segments, if you will, um, we're also just going to talk about recent current events as well, like the Bugsman's Clash and the Mini Clash that happened this past weekend. So we're pretty excited to honestly just do what we love to do, which is talk Underworlds and talk about what we think is good and what we don't think is good and what we think potentially might be a little busted. So we'll get into that. But first, Derek, as our guest, please inform us um, how you've been. What have you been up to? So I've actually been playing a lot more uh, Underworlds lately, which has been great. Uh, As the snow started falling in Calgary here, uh, people were more, more inclined to come into stores. Uh, for restrictions have been gone for, uh, probably the last few months when it comes to COVID, but it took a while to get our community and get our scene back on. So our local games workshop at games workshop Chinook, uh, I want to shout out, uh, Darren out there. He runs a great crew. Uh, they put on the first organized play, uh, event in Calgary, uh, got, uh, I want to say six people up for that. Uh, four of them I'd never met before, uh, which was awesome. Our, our friendly independent stores, Ogre's Den and Sentry Box, have been hosting Learn to Plays. And they've also got their OP kits, so we're, we're looking forward to getting uh, more people into our community. Uh, I've played a, a variety of different games. 
And uh, when I'm I'm not doing that, I've actually gotten in more Vassal than I have in the last six months as well. So I, I've been pretty happy with the amount of Underworlds in my life. That's awesome. I actually really, really love that for you. I I feel like personally that I've been really waxing and waning lately where like there'll be weeks where I'm very into Underworlds and there'll be weeks where I don't, I don't really think about it, which is not normal for me because I'm used to thinking and talking about the game every day. So um, I don't know if it's just like a phase or whatever. It pro- I mean, it is a phase obviously because we're doing a podcast about Underworlds, but you know, um, and we'll get into why maybe it is or is not a phase, but Zach, how about yourself? You know, aside from slinging that dope on the street, you know, I'm, I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that. Anyone listening anymore? Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I've been doing good. Um, yeah, I, I've actually been, I've been to, I don't know if we talked about it in the last podcast. I think we did when we talked with Kyle, um, went to a couple, uh, rivals events recently uh stores been picking up uh local stores have been picking up a little bit with underworlds it had a few people uh engaged with it um a lot of overlap in my store with kill team which works for me because i like both of those games quite a bit um uh yeah i know you know people are interested in the new formats um just in terms of a lot of people being casual uh they're much more interested in things like rivals and nemesis um just to you know play casually get some pickup games uh don't know if they're ever gonna go to adepticon grand clash but um it's nice to be able to roll dice in person again you know it's it's been great over the pandemic to have the vassal community table um a couple other online communities and do like we do webcam games with some of my local friends around here as well um but nothing beats rolling dice in person, so uh, it's been it's been nice having that back. Um, a little bit like Amon, uh, it's kind of been coming and going. I think this start of season um, is always a little bit of a lull for me personally, just because like there's less cards out and about. You know, we're kind of waiting for events to ramp up. It's also kind of the end of year. There's not a whole lot of events, so um, you know, events and in-store type of things, one days or like big events are really what drive me for Underworld. So it's been a little bit slow on that front. But, uh, you know, with our um, teaser that we've had from GW on Warhammer Community about the new faction and the new Rivals deck, I've been uh, I've been playing with things again and getting really excited to see what the uh, the Loon Court's all about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a fun time for Underworlds, man. I'm I'm really looking forward to it right now. Yeah, I'm actually very excited for Grincrack's Loon Court. I think the miniatures are actually amazing, and I'm really glad that they were previewed at the uh, that event in New Mexico, like the culmination of the American series of events for Games Workshop or something, where like there was finals and there was like a narrative event, but unfortunately they kind of canceled the Underworlds event, so there was no grand finals for that, which is Ooh. something I'm not salty about. Yeah, well, well, I'm not gonna not gonna dwell on that for too long. <laughs> no, on, on that, I am looking forward to the 2023 U.S. Open series. Uh, I think that it's a new day for Narwood and letting uh, us Underworld players join in the 
grand narrative, uh, almost like as we're getting more and more people playing, it's like uh, an early morning Norwood is uh, just rising up there. It's uh, going to be great. Well, I love your uh, your optimism, Derek, and I think you're right. I'm hoping 2023 is a great year for Underworlds and the competitive circuit yeah. um, in the United States, but also around the world, um, and also, obviously, North America. So I know you uh, Canadians really love to travel down and Hopefully we can do that event in Seattle because it's pretty close to you and yeah. And, uh, that uh, I, I've got a feeling if they had the U.S. Open in Seattle, uh, you'd see at, at least a couple of us from Calgary, probably uh, uh, Edmonton, would show up. I I know that uh, the Vancouver team would cross the border because it's it's only about an hour and a half for them. So that would uh, that would probably be a big event for them. Yeah, that would have been nice. But let's get back to the Loon Court. Um, Want to get mm-hmm. some quick thoughts, maybe some hot takes. So let's start. I mean, we saw like a couple cards, um, including Grincrack himself and his card. So maybe Zach, why don't you throw some thoughts out there? And then Derek, you can follow up. Uh, yeah, I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot. So we know there are, I believe, six fighters. Um, if I remember that image correctly. Um, got one mounted dude, which is really cool. Seven. I mean, even a... Are they seven? Yeah. yeah. Miscounted. Um, yeah, they got a mounted dude, which is really cool. Um, we got a catapult, which is really cool. Squigabolt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's not the first time we've seen a, a, a mounted goblin uh, before because we've had rippers, of course. But, um, you know, uh, uh, squigs are different from wolves. So I think it's going to be a very different type of fighter. Um, but yeah, we saw two block on the leader, which is an interesting stat line. Um, there's not many things in the game that started two block. I mean, I'm going to get a little bit analytical considering we have like literally like, a, you know, a 10th of the information of the entire war band. Um, three, but like three wounds is not a lot, but also two block is like, what in the game starts at two block uninspired? It's Bahanar, I think, and, and Pac. And Stalag Squig. Yeah. I think those are the only three. Yeah. Um, and we know how brutal that can be because it's like, oh, Pox only two wounds. And then you just like can't kill the dude because he's just double blocking everything early on in the game. Um, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I think they're going to be. I think if if all the other fighters are kind of on la- that level, we're going to see something kind of different because we're used to goblins being like super squishy, kind of ratty, whatever, you know, like Zarbags gets and um, uh, and the little Noblars in uh, Hrothkorn's uh, squad. So I think they might be a little different. I'm kind of excited for that. What about you, Derek? What do you think? What's exciting for you? So uh, the, the one thing that I think Zach missed uh, was the Mushroom Trumpet. Uh, God. <laughs> uh, and and he's my favorite and I, I don't know if y'all saw this when it was on the preview but uh, on his fighter card it does say that if you make a uh, trumpet noise while charging with him you get plus one dice I love that so, so I think that everybody needs to work on their trumpet noises uh <laughs> Or yeah, just like that. Uh, anything that should hopefully be better than that one. You know what? Now that you've unleashed that that can of worms or, or trumpets, Zach, I'm going to have to hear a trumpet trumpet sound from you. Okay. Oh, that's, that's not bad. Good, that's not bad. Yeah. I um 
I'm hoping it sounds more like Boromir, you know, Horn of Gondor. Oh, yeah. yeah. But maybe I'll just carry one around. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm looking at the miniature online right now. I'm looking at, I'm zooming in and it looks like, like darts are coming out of like the mushroom spore he's using. It's like one of those, like, you know, it's like, and then like someone just gets dart to the neck and like falls down. So I think that's his shtick. So that'll be fun. So it's more of a blow dart as opposed to a mushroom trumpet. I think it's both. Ah, there you go. I think it could be both. Why not? Why can't in the world of Warhammer Underworlds or just Warhammer in general, a goblin be able to make noises while killing its foes with poison darts? <laughs> I love it. Um, personally, I'm super excited. I think uh, I, I just think I don't know what it is about like the night aesthetic, but I'm a really big fan of it. Um <clears throat> you know, I love Bretonians. And um, I think like the goblin take on the night mechanic, I think is so cool. Um, you know, armored goblins who are on a quest, if you will, according to the Warhammer preview article. Um, and then like, you know, that squig knight, he is, he's my spirit animal. Well, if, if you remember from the old Bretonian range, uh, there was that uh, jester character, that fool, uh, oh. for the old Bretonians that you could have. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and unfortunately, because every time a new warband comes out, I always think about how I want to convert them. So I would make these into, uh, you know, a, a bunch of Bretonian knights running around, uh, similar to how the Grimwatch would be, but uh, just generally drunkenly falling over as opposed to being serious about what they're trying to do. <laughs> That's pretty That's funny. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. 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 I, um, <clears throat> I do think that you're right, Zach, that the leaders, the leader looks really good so far. Um, and I like how he has a, like a reaction called dub you know, he like dubs them into making them knights as well. So um, it, it's very fun. Yeah. I think very flavorful. I think they, they did well when it came to comes to the theme surrounding the warband. Yeah, I think they're going to be really cool to see in action, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like if Monty Python had goblins, this warband would be it. <laughs> so, um, well, cool. I'm glad that we're excited. And um, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, like while they may not be, it doesn't look like they're going to be like super powerful, like a <laughs> gnarl spirit pack. But uh, I'm hoping that they're going to be a, a fun warband and um, I'm going to have a good time messing around with them. So as I think everyone else will be. So really excited about mm-hmm. that. Um, let's jump gears a little bit and talk about some of our segments that we like to cover. Um, so we'll do that and then we'll jump into, I guess, like Vassal and Buggins Clashes and Meta and all that. So we're going to go to Sleeve It or Leave It. And this time around, we're going to be talking about a card that uh, Derek has suggested as our guest. And it's called Call to Heal. Derek. Do you have the card up? Do you want to read it? I can read it. Uh, Call to Heal is a ploy. Choose one beast or one savage fighter. Push the chosen fighter one hex or up to four hexes if it is a friendly fighter so that it is adjacent to a friendly fighter. It comes in the Tooth and Claw Rivals deck. Uh, The flavor text to it says a strong will is needed to control those falling under the influence of Grr. Uh, and in the picture, it's got uh, one of the Sylvaneth elves, uh, I th- and I think he's hanging out with that cat there. Yeah, it's Leghane from uh, the Hunters. Yeah. Yeah. 
Legane is the smallest lion I've ever met. But uh, <laughs> he's yeah. a cub. He's he's yeah. apparently he's full grown, which concerns me. Uh, but uh, I uh, I think that's a it's it's a really interesting card actually. So Zach, are you sleeving it or leaving it, and why? Uh, I definitely feel like this is a sleeve. Uh, there's so much combo here in Nemesis and in Championship. Um, Savage is really easy to. I mean, Savage is wounded. Savage is blocked uh, or. Uh, charged savage is um a stagger token so it's really easy for both you or your opponent to be staggered um and then there's also the beast uh tag as well uh so because this is not a friendly beast or savage fighter or an enemy beast or savage fighter it's it's a push one or a push four so it's really, really flexible. Um, you could use it to set up support, to pull a friendly fighter out of a bad situation, to set up an attack, uh, to pull people into uh, lethals. Like, there's just so much you can do with this. Um, and then just in this deck, like the combo with Dark Command and some of these other things that are in here, like I think it's just really, really uh, straightforward, powerful. Like, there's it's just good, man. <laughs> like, I don't know how much I can say about it. So you're sleeving it. Oh, absolutely sleeving it. Right on. Derek, sleeve or leave, my friend. So I'm I'm always sleeving it. Uh, the big thing that I discovered with this, uh, because you can use it both on on enemy fighters who are savage, like uh, Zach mentioned, but one of the really interesting parts about it is in Narwood, I've noticed that games will start uh, almost in a bit of a cluster as the two teams try and fight for objectives or try to hold the center, uh, depending on their game strategy. But by the end uh, of that, uh, by the third round, you're you're starting to get spread out. All the little mini skirmishes uh, have started to resolve themselves. And what can happen is that you need uh, to get one of your beasts or uh, one of your fighters over almost across the board. So now if you imagine that you've got a uh, three-move fighter, uh, let's say you've used any of the uh, feral upgrades that are also in Tooth and Claw to make them a beast, or if they're just savage because of wounds or whatever reason, you now give them an effective movement of seven because you're you're creating that bridge to get your fighter all the way over there. Uh, along with that, having essentially a distraction to mess up your opponent is just so invaluable in, in the game right now because distraction isn't around. So I, I actually sleeve it and then I make a print of it and put a second one in my deck. <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, so look, yeah, I, I, I completely concur with both of you. I think it is a fantastic card. Um, every single Tooth and Claw deck I've built has included this card. Um, mm. It's 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 just fantastic. And and Zach's right. The ability to become savage is just so effortless at times that the it, it, it's it's really strong. And honestly, if you really think about it, you know, it, it's a distraction at the very least because you can you know move your opponent if they have tap in a savage fighter. Um, but that four push hex as a friendly fighter has been fantastic. I mean, I played a game today where. Uh, Bridget was a beast and, um, you know, she didn't have to charge because she just moved up, smacked somebody, and then next activation she charged. And it was really nice um, to be mm-hmm. able to pull that off. I think it is very strong. It's something that maybe needs to be um, looked out for in terms of 
potential power level. But honestly, like, you know, I think we've got the blessings three here in that it is a fully sleeved card. I've never left home without it when playing Tooth and Claw. As Derek said, if I could take two, hell, I'd take three, you know, so. Yeah. Um, well, good. I think that was a really, uh, really interesting card, actually, to think about um, in terms of its applications. But I think we can all agree that it's a pretty damn good card. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, moving on to our next segment here, chugging along. Um, we're going to talk about Inspiration Strikes. Inspiration Strikes is where one of us, uh, in this episode, it's going to be Zach, has one minute to say whatever the hell he wants to say about Warhammer Underworlds. That's the only stipulation. It needs to be Warhammer Underworlds related. Um, it can be a inspiring monologue. It can be a rant. It can be a call to arms. It could be, I don't know, even stand up, right? Like it's just Zach's time <laughs> to just talk about what he wants to talk about. And then Derek and I are going to react to it shortly after. So I'm going to start a timer. And Zach, I hope you're ready. Um, oh, yeah. And your time will start now. All right. I'm going to talk about playing it painted. And this is going to be a call to arms. I mean, I want everyone to play painted. I know I see Amon rolling his eyes. I'm sure this is something people talk about all the time. But like, you know, I've been to a lot. I said I've been to a number of events recently and I've been playing more in person recently. And the amount of people coming out of lockdown with unpainted minis, man, it's just shaking my head a little bit. I want to see people play with painted minis to put the effort in you know we all kind of put the effort in and if you're not a great painter that's fine like we have slap chop nowadays contrast and speed paints really make things go by much much faster um and i just think that there's so many ways to get these amazing models painted quickly and efficiently and just to put that little bit of a personal flair on it so you're not just playing with game pieces you're actually playing with a piece of yourself you know something that you've put the effort and time into uh and um i I think it's something everyone should aspire to at least for your favorite war bands all right i like the call to arms i'm not i'm not mad at it derek what are your thoughts on playing it painted uh i'm probably gonna talk for longer than a minute so if i need to get cut off <laughs> on this we can go ahead uh so i've i've put in a lot of thought and i i wound up uh calling around to a, a lot of players uh that do various levels of whether it's unpainted painted converted scenery terrain uh of which i i've been uh one of them in every count uh i want to mention uh just to sort of contrast kyle's view uh, Tony Field, uh, out of LA, uh, really big supporter of Underworlds. I asked mm-hmm. him why he always played with unpainted minis. And he said, you know what, if I'm doing Underworlds, I am playing. Uh, I'm not going to spend time uh, painting my minis to get them on there. Uh, in my case, I always play with painted minis. And honestly, I love doing conversions, uh, not just taking mm-hmm. those minis themselves but also uh, adding adding my own little style to them. Uh, at at the end of the day, uh, you you know everybody can certainly do what they want, but if you're playing with unpainted minis, you're wrong. <laughs> um, okay, I, I like that. Um, and and look, guys, I think it's really interesting, actually, to me. You know, you mentioned Tony, um, even Michael Carlin, right? Michael Carlin mm-hmm. um, from Steel City. 
uh, you know, we chat occasionally still. And uh, even though he's kind of, I guess, temporarily retired is what he says, um, is that, you know, he never painted. He came from a computer gaming and card gaming background. And so for him, like miniatures were a brand new experience. And so he really appreciated that they were push fit. But, uh, you know, like he never painted them. Um, a part of that was maybe, you know, n- lack of experience, but also like he was like, you know, like my handshake. Um, and he was like, I, I physically just don't want to put in the time to do that because, you know, it's it's uncomfortable for me. And so, like, I think one of the best parts about Warhammer Underworlds is the fact that it is a board game. It's a gateway game, as, as you will, where people who don't necessarily have that Warhammer and hobby background can come in and play. I mean, that's why you can play unpainted in official events. Do I think miniatures look better painted? Absolutely. Do I think people who want to paint should paint? Absolutely. I I just don't. I, and I love the call to arms, you know, like I love a good hobby sesh. I truly do. I just want to make sure that we're being inclusive as well because, oh, sure. You know, and, that, and I don't think you were that, not being inclusive, but I just, you know, I don't want to steer people and just say you can't play if you're not painted. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's going to be, you know, edge cases of people who have, you know, physical issues that are going to prevent them from um, participating in that part of the hobby or make it really hard on them. Uh, You know, there, there are obviously uh, commission painting services, um, but you're not going to like force people to spend money on stuff that they've already spent a lot of money on. Um, So that's obviously I wouldn't, would never be mad at somebody for doing such a thing. Um, But I just think for like the general crowd, like, you know, there was this sentiment in, um, Back when I was a 40K player, Boo. you know, I know, right? Dark days. Um, you know, there was a three color minimum and people would just like spray it a color and then just put on like a couple little dots here and there, like pick out, you know, a little bit of gold, a little bit of blue, whatever. Um, and there's a lot of arguing back and forth. And the gist of it boils down to like, hey, man, we spent a lot of time and energy prepping for this. And yeah, it's a game. And yeah, you know, the pieces don't necessarily matter. You could p- play with rocks and bits of stick or whatever if you really wanted to. But like everyone here has put forth the effort to be here. Um, and we just think that it's like it's only fair if everyone else does as well. And obviously there's going to be exceptions to this. And Underworlds is a very different game from 40K, obviously, because it is a board game. Um but I don't know. That's just like my feeling has always kind of come back to that. It's like, you know, this is a big event. People have paid hundreds of dollars to come to this. If it's like Adepticon or LVO or something like that. And, um, I don't know, we've all put in time and energy and money and prep work. And, uh, it just feels like only fair that other people do the same. Uh, and maybe that's a little elitist. Maybe that's a little bit, um, you know, uh, prejudiced in my own way, but like, I don't know, that's just how I feel. So I, I apologize if that comes across as rude to anybody. Uh, I'll actually give you a bit of an anecdote. Uh, right before COVID started, maybe about three or more months uh, before before things had really uh, started causing issues, uh, I was getting extremely busy with work. Uh, and I, I decided that I wasn't going to do any more of my own painting. Uh, I'd done lots of converting, uh, and I still do at this point. But uh, when COVID hit, uh, I was glad that I hadn't given away all my paints uh, because, you know, I, I was able to spend, spend some of that time in lockdown 
painting some toy soldiers. And mm-hmm. now the problem with that is now I have a whole lot more plastic than I, I certainly wanted to have in my house. Uh, so I, I've got a feeling you're going to see a bunch of great deals on eBay for a bunch of stuff for a bunch of COVID products. But uh, you know, really at, at the end of the day, there are commission services out there. Uh, so do support your local artist if uh, you feel that need for it. Uh, you will love the results and it will be something that, that you like having actually on your desk. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, yeah, maybe it sounds elitist that, Hey, I, I'd love to see more people, uh, showing up with, uh, with their minis in their best dressed form. But at the end of the day, I just want bums and seats and come to play, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I, I'm the same, obviously, like I can rant about this, but I'd rather you show up with unpainted than not show up. I just would rather you show up with painted than unpainted. That's, that's all, all I'm saying. Yeah. And look, I don't think any of you are being like, you know, mean or, or whatever, and, and, and certainly don't need to apologize. I think it's an opinion. And I think that's what we do on podcasts is we share our opinions and we talk about it. And, and that's what makes it fun. Um, people can agree, people can disagree. And, and that's okay. I think, like, for, for me, it's, I guess like to Tony's point that you brought up, right, Derek, it's like, if I'm going to spend time, I might as well just spend time playing. That appeals to me the most. I love some of the hobby stuff. Like I, I do a lot of hobby stuff for other games. Um, but with the underworld stuff, like I just think all the, you know, like as, as Kyle mentioned on the last episode, Zach, like every single miniature is a, is a character miniature in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, Mm -hmm. sometimes I just feel like maybe I'm not doing it justice or maybe I'm afraid or scared. And, and I do do commission painting every once in a while. Um, sure. Me too. But like, honestly, man, I might just show up to LVO with unpainted models just to annoy both of you. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, but you know, my bum will be in the seat to use Derek's phrasing. So, uh, I, um, look, Paint or don't paint or don't paint. It doesn't matter to me. Just play some Underworlds. That's what I prefer, um, which I think we all agree on that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, some people like Kyle, like Derek, they go for best painted as well as, you know, competing at a high level in the game itself. And some people may not necessarily have those goals, but um, it is what it is. But I think that's a it's a great conversation to have in general. And we could probably spend more time talking about it because it is something that's come up a lot in the Underworlds community, especially in the early days. Um, I believe even Steel City released an article like defending why you don't need to play Painted. Um, I'll have to look that up maybe. I could be wrong there, so don't quote me on it. But uh, I know that there has been a lot of discussion about it. So, interesting. Um, put put paint to miniature, to plastic, is what we mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, you might love it. Alrighty, well... That will do it for our, I guess, scheduled, consistent segments here. Um, what I want to talk about now is, um, I guess, the overall Narwood meta, which is, as per usual, 30 minutes into the episode where we get to the main topic here. And that's our thing. It is our thing. It really is. And it's really interesting because, like, when we talk about the meta now, yeah, we're a podcast that leans quite heavily into championship, but I think it would be a disservice if we didn't talk about, you know, some of the other formats because those metas are actually quite interesting and different to a certain extent. Um, So let's start with perhaps the segment or the, 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 the format that might not require as much um, 
conversation, given the fact that it is a bit more limited, is Nemesis, right? And Derek, you you mentioned in the pre-show and, and even before when we asked you to jump on that you really wanted to discuss the Nemesis format. Um, and, you know, I think, I think I, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've been pretty positive about the Nemesis format as a whole. Um, oh, for sure. In fact, yeah. like I think even when we played our Vassal League game, you had suggested we, we play Nemesis. Um, mm-hmm. And just to see what that, that format was like. And so my question is, you know, Derek, like, why did you want to discuss it so earnestly? Um, and, and what are your thoughts on Nemesis? I don't know if I've actually gotten your full spiel. So the the first thing about Nemesis, I, I've actually been a really big supporter of it. And even before Nemesis was either an official thing or, uh, say, when uh, Nick Baton was running those Rivals Plus clashes uh, down at Warhammer, uh, I, I see it as uh, a different deck building challenge because uh, one of the one of the interesting things I don't come from that uh, card game background. I, I didn't play Magic or Yu Gi Oh or uh, Jihad or any of the other ones. Uh, and when uh, when this came out, it I won't say that the deck building component was the the hardest part or, or the part that I liked the least, but it definitely was a bit of a challenge uh, compared to the standard Warhammer style play uh, that I was really used to. Uh, so, so when you take Nemesis, you make it a whole lot easier to get more people out because one of the chief complaints, especially now, is that you need to get so many uh, different warbands and so many different card packs in order to play at that elite level. And especially when you start getting into the organized play events, even if it's just a local store, uh, every everyone wants to have a shot at winning that, right? So, uh, I'm, so I'm going to put it uh, on two sides. I think I've talked a little bit about why I specifically like the format, but what I'd really like to do is chat to, to everybody because at the end of the day this is a pretty competitive podcast uh, I think a lot of the people that listen to path to glory probably are very focused on championship uh, the reason why for any of those primarily championship players that you should be supporting your local nemesis means that you're going to get more people out and even though getting your games in on vassal against the high level people around the world is definitely going to up your game you're going to find that uh, playing in person, getting more of those reps in uh, a lot quicker, even if it's not with your S-tier championship format deck, uh, playing in Nemesis, playing things that you wouldn't necessarily always play or playing uh, something that will give everybody else a better game to build that community. And in the end, it's going to make you a stronger player because you're getting those reps in. Right. So uh, if if Nemesis gets more people out and I think it does, and if it's uh, an extremely fun format to play, uh, I, I really enjoy it. Zach, what do you, what are your thoughts to that? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, there's been a lot, uh, a reasonable amount of talk on some of the discords about how different or the same Nemesis versus uh, championship is. Um, I think ultimately, like, yes, the metagame is very different. The deck building is very different, obviously. But you are still playing the game. You are still making a lot of the same decisions. You are still, you know, use, you know, it, 
you're, it's the same mechanics. And if you are a championship player and you're just looking to get games in, I mean, playing Nemesis is still going to get you that experience and that headspace that you're going to improve as a player playing that way. Um, I think my, you know, I talked in the last episode about how much I do like Nemesis and I do, I really, I think it's a great uh, format. Um, I'm quite enjoying it. Um, I think the main issue is that we're very limited in selection right now. Nemesis very much feels like Nemesis Gnarlwood feels like Shadespire to me because we only really have two decks. I mean, Illusory Might is fine. Uh, Deadly Depths is terrible. Sorry. Um, but we really only have the two decks that are worth talking about in terms of Nemesis. Uh, and it feels like Shadespire where it was like, yeah, Underworlds is great, but we only have four teams. It's going to be much better when we have more teams. Uh, Nemesis is great, but we only have two decks. It's going to be way better when we have like five or six really viable competitive decks. And, you know, you can mix and match and, you know, there's more things to match up with teams and more decisions to make it a more complex meta to think about. Um, I'm really looking forward to the future of Nemesis. Uh, I think currently it's stalled a little bit because there was that, a lot of that hype when it first came out and it was like, oh, let's figure out what decks work with everything. And it was like, well, we know which decks work with Tooth and Claw. We know which decks work with Daring Delvers. Okay, we've kind of figured it out. Let's just wait for Fearsome Fortress to come out and then whatever the one next year is supposed to be uh, is kind of where we're at right now. But I think once we hit that point, end of Gnarlwood, end of whatever the next season is, Nemesis is going to feel really, really interesting and i think it's going to be a very very cool format um much better than it is right now and it's already good right now so yeah i i mean i'm having a lot of fun playing it like don't get me wrong i've already messed with a lot of tooth. i have a tooth and glaw hrothgorn deck that i really really like and i've been actually playing hrothgorn which is weird because i hate playing him in championship but i'm really liking him in nemesis um so i'm having a lot of fun playing it i'm just waiting for that next step of the format yeah well said i mean look i think I think I completely agree with both of you. Um, Derek, you know, you made some really good points about how like it is the gateway to getting more people into the game and and letting them experience some of the more complicated or maybe nuanced aspects of the game. You know, you came from a background where deck building was a challenge for you. Um, You know, and and, you know, I, sometimes I don't believe that because you've built some pretty nasty decks over the course of your underworld's career. Um, But uh, um, when it comes to, uh, uh, like that Hrothkorn deck, man, that was disgusting um, back in the day <laughs> in Beast Group. Um, but like also to Zach's point, right? Like it, it is an interesting and fun format. I think you're right that the hype has maybe gradually decreased um, because the community has, for the most part, figured out what works with what. I mean, there are even content creators out there who solely focus on rivals and nemesis, um, mm-hmm. you know, like Battle Mallet, um, you know, friends of the show and they've they've also helped a lot of people kind of figure out what works and what doesn't. And so I think I don't have a problem with Nemesis. I, I think like the last couple episodes, whenever Nemesis come up, like I think it's a great thing. It's just it's just hard to talk about it at a, at a, at, a, at length, if only because championship is just so much more. Um, I guess it's much Content. deeper. It's more, it's more, um, there's, there's, you can push it further. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but I, I would, I would actually put it into the, uh, when you're, when you're going into a battle, uh, for, for, for anything, whether it's uh, real life military, or if you're running any of the campaigns that Warhammer sometimes put out, 
they you've got your logistics and your tactics. So what I'd like to uh, put the idea to is that in championship, your logistics, your deck building, your preparation uh, for the game uh, will become much more important than it would in Nemesis. Whereas Nemesis, because the logistics are uh, streamlined, uh, those are easier to get everybody to the field. Your tactics become more important there. And what that will do is help you make those decisions, whether you're staying in Nemesis or getting to a championship format. And that's fair. Um, And I don't think there's like a right or wrong answer. Like I think... (laughs) they both intrinsically are linked, right? And they both tie into one another. And, you know, if you want maybe a less um, complicated play, then you can jump down. And if you want something more, then you can jump up. I mean, the the, the fluidity between both formats, I think is what's really intriguing. Um, And Zach, you kind of alluded to that earlier as well. It's like, you like playing Mm -hmm. some more bands in Nemesis because it just feels more fulfilling or more fun or more complicated or more engaging. Whereas some more bands probably perform better in championship because they have more, options or whatever right like it's just there's just so much you can do and and i don't i don't think either format is bad or good yeah i i think the one thing i want to point out is that um i i think uh really what derek was trying kind of alluding to um the the outside of game stuff, I, I guess it is the metagame stuff, um, is more complex in championship, but I don't think there's anything necessarily more complex in the tactical gameplay uh, of championship compared to Nemesis. Like, yes, there's more to memorize because it's like, oh, you have to know all these cards out outside of uh, Nemesis to be like, what could he be bringing? Once you know what a deck, a Nemesis deck person has, you kind of have a more easy understanding of their deck but like the tactical understanding the dice understanding like risk taking target priority um uh, dice management rng management is all basically the same between the two um and you can draw parallels there between games even even games like underworlds um or games like age of sigmar 40k and uh the new kill team which i've been playing a lot the new kill team doesn't really have list building every lit you know there's there's like roster beforehand and some factions get to like really tweak what they bring uh but most factions are kind of like you're playing vet card you have 14 dudes on the table and four of them are regular mooks and it's just like the same list but it's really what you do on the table that matters it's really your understanding of the game and how you play and your tactical choices that matter and there's not so much to talk about outside the game because there's no list building it's not like you're doing points and you're adding things up and the points change it's like ooh, wow crazy you know like happens in aos and 40k every six months or so um and I think that's more the nemesis speed, which is like, yeah, you know, it's hard to talk about on a podcast. It's hard to talk about in blogs because it's like there's no list talking. You know, there's no deck building to talk about. But like the good players are going to win <laughs> nemesis events. The same good players are going to win nemesis events that win championship events because they know the game. Their brain's there. They know the chess moves. You know, they they see three moves ahead of their opponent. Um uh, and I think that's really important to talk about, to not talk down about the the system, about the the format, because like, you know, you don't want this to come across as like, oh, it's the dumb format for dumb people. If real people play championship. Like, no, they're, they're both good things. It's just one takes more time outside the game to do. And that complexity appeals to some people and doesn't appeal to other people. So is what it is. 
Yeah, and and I don't think I don't think anyone's ever said, you know, at least on this podcast that not on this podcast, yeah. not on this podcast. Okay, cool. I just want to clarify, like we've yeah. never said anything bad about Nemesis per se, but I, don't, I also yeah. don't. I, I also think it's factually an easier version of the game for in, in different ways, or maybe sure, you know, or less complicated. Um, but that doesn't mean it's it's bad or good or, or like or, or terrible or you're you're stupid, right? Like we're not saying any of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but speaking of which. This might be a good opportunity for us to segment or segue rather into what that Nemesis meta looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been playing a lot of Nemesis, Derek. It sounds like you've been playing a lot of Nemesis as well. Mm-hmm. Why don't Derek you start with what you think is doing really well in that meta, um, and and what do you think has attracted your eyes when it comes to that that's that style of play? So uh, it's funny, uh, Kyle mentioned that he was really enjoying uh, Rothorn uh, in Nemesis. I I actually came back to Kanan's Reapers uh, on that. I've always liked the the model and the models and the move sets, and then combining them with the Daring Delver set, uh, I've been having a ton of fun with. Uh, one of the one of the interesting parts before this season. I have been playing Drepper's Wraith Creepers uh, with the Silent Menace Rivals deck, uh, which had a lot of synergy because you had that uh, the, the Patrician's push right off the start, which in a lot of cases was letting you get your team into support positions. Uh, and that that made a huge difference on it. Now, I, I was quite sad when Silent Menace got rotated out, even with Nemesis. I, I really wish that they had kept it in there because it would have had uh, another playable rival stack uh, in order to give us a bit of a head start instead of having sort of the two that uh, two and, and technically three uh, that are available. But uh, you know, the when it comes to the warbands uh, specifically, Naro Spirits pack again uh, is really good. Wormspat with Daring Delvers is a lot of fun with all the plank damage. Uh, let's see, Magor's Fiend with Tooth and Claw uh, to bring that back. Uh, I I also thought that both Rippa's and Molog's Mob would be a lot of fun. Uh, Crimson Cord, I think, with Tooth and Claw would also be really good. So it it gives you a lot of different areas. Oh, and uh, the other one that uh, let me play my Murder Girls, the Shadeborn, uh, with Daring Delvers, uh, because you get that extra plank uh, damage in there. And because uh, Grey Beta, the crossbow wizard, uh, is able to flame with people, uh, it, it gives some extra utility for your uh for your non-leader uh team on that so there's uh there's a lot of new fun ways uh that you can go back to taking your previous warbands but again you're probably going to see the same thing in championship as or in nemesis as you do in championship that the newer warbands with the uh, usually better tuned uh faction decks are going to wind up rising to the top. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think you're right. It does breathe a lot of life into older factions. I, I like that you point tossed out Magor's Fiends with Tooth and Claw. That's one that's in our local area um, has been kind of going around. People have been trying it out um, and doing pretty good with it, actually. I mean, it's a good deck for them. Um, you know, what I say about Tooth and Claw is, 
range one elite aggro and they kind of fill all that. So yeah, it's um it's a good for them. It's nice to see some of these older warbands have some life breathe back in them, but I definitely agree with your last point there that um newer warbands with better uh, rival stacks are going to do better. I mean, and I think that's true. Like you can argue about how necessarily true that is for championship as well, because a broad championship pool means you don't have to rely on your nemesis deck as much. Um, so when the championship pool is very full, say at near the end of the season, uh, it's, it's more likely that, uh, factions with the worst nem- uh, rivals decks will perform better in championship as opposed to something like nemesis where they will still be kind of behind. Um, but we are seeing kind of the same war bands do well in championship as we're seeing do well in nemesis. And I think that's gnarl spirit. I think that's hexbane. And I think that is to an extent, um, gore chosen, uh, though I don't think they're quite at the level of the other two. Um, there's some other pre uh nether maze uh factions that seem to be doing well in uh nemesis i think we're seeing rippas do pretty well because they just work really well with tooth and claw like that's kind of obvious um we're seeing uh locally we were seeing um oh we were just talking about this too uh Oh, well, I was I was doing well with Hrothgorn, but somebody else was doing well with uh, Kynan, Kynan's Reapers. Uh, Kynan's Reapers, I think, are really kind of solid with Daring Delvers. Um, and Mournflight are also pretty good with both decks, actually. Mournflight continuing to just be a good faction in basically all settings because they have a really good Rivals deck and also everyone starting on two dodges is really stupid. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, th- there's some good pre-Gnarl Spirit, pre-Nether Maze decks that are doing well, but... Um, but yeah, it's those modern factions, I think, that are really standouts in the current game. Um, uh, so I think you'll keep seeing a lot. And when we talk about championship, you'll see that these teams are also doing perfectly well in championship at the same time. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there is a I think if you're curious as to what is doing well in championship, Nemesis could be a potential um, good look into that, because as you say, mm-hmm. the warband's doing well. In the, in the in championship will generally be doing well in nemesis that being said i do think that there are some war bands that particularly shine in the nemesis format um mm-hmm. I, I do like that some of the oldies are are relevant again you know i've been having a lot of fun with far striders and daring delvers it's not like the most competitive deck out there but ping damage is fun when you're only doing one damage at range three um Magor's fiends is another standout um, I've seen people have a lot of fun with uh, Daring Delvers and uh, Garrick's Reavers as well. So, so I think one of you made the comment that Nemesis kind of feels like, I think it was you, Derek, that kind of feels like Shadespire um, or season one. And, and I agree. It, it really does because that nostalgia factor is there. Um, but mm. that being said, like, you know, like Wraith Creepers, for example, like I think they do really well in perhaps formats with less counters to them. Um, whereas they may not do as well in championship, right? So there is this interesting balance. It's very easy to say like Gnarl Spirit and Hexbane kind of run all the formats, which they kind of do. Um, but really it's also the just that little bit of diversity of that inclusion of that second deck is just enough to make it more engaging and more fun. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and so if I ever do want to play a Season 1 Warband, I will play Nemesis. 
because I enjoy those oh, yeah. warbands and and I feel like I have a shot. Whereas if I play Farce Riders or Mogor's Fiends, and maybe Mogor's Fiends isn't a good example because they're kind of like almost like an evergreen warband to a certain extent. Forest Riders, I would think, would struggle on championship. There are some people out there doing some great things, mm. but I think uh, I think we've we've probably covered most of that already. So, yeah, yeah, and and just to talk about the meta, I mean, we haven't had a whole lot in the way of Nemesis. Obviously, there's been some local events, um, but the most recent Bugman's Clash uh, we had. Um, November. This was just uh, this past week, this past Thursday, recording on Sunday. Um, we had two undefeated Gnarl Spirits in top place. We had Drepper's Wraith Creepers not actually playing Nemesis. They were just playing Rivals because they were just using their faction deck. That's kind of hilarious. Um, uh, we also had a undefeated Worm Spat. Uh, Worm Spat we were actually talking about uh, as a group before this uh, podcast started that Worm Spat are kind of a, a sleeper uh in at least in the nemesis format um and we also had an another undefeated gnarl spirit so three undefeated gnarl spirits um so yeah gnarl spirit really kind of doing work i mean i think anyone who has been paying attention to the game knows how good that faction is basically in every uh format at the moment um but it's cool to see Worm Spat back. I mean, that's a season three warband, and that's one that's been kind of lambasted in championship over and over again. And people kind of laugh at them, but like, hey man, you just go undefeated with Daring Delvers and just take advantage of the fact that you've got a wizard and ping and a pretty solid, uh, some pretty solid tools in your rival's deck. And yeah, it, it's cool to see them come back. Yeah. One of the things that I particularly enjoy about this particular meta is the fact that it's there's more chaos involved and and i mean that like as a grand alliance like yeah and sure now spirit are quite you know relevant and popular but you know there's there's worm spat there's dread pageant there's score chosen um and that's Mm -hmm. really cool to see you know that these war bands have life they have the ability to play um and they can thrive in in a format that again maybe doesn't counter them as as quickly or as easily than maybe other you know formats which is fun um, obviously, you know, we see the Wraith Creepers doing their thing. Um, but like, like I'm looking at this and it's like it, it purifiers, you know, like I had an awesome game against, um, Lathanum in the Vassal League in playoffs. And, you know, like he showed me that they're still got enough gas in the tank to compete at this level in championship. And I was just thinking like, even in Nemesis, that's incredible, right? Cause that Aether Quartz mechanic and all those pings with Daring Delvers. I mean, there's so many cool things that these warbands can do. Um, and, and it's just nice to see a little bit more diversity in terms of contention. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to uh, let me know if I'm monopolizing this conversation just cause I've been, I've been thinking about nemesis and the impact of factions on it for a while. Um, I think something that we're starting to see is that when you look at faction stats and faction mechanics, there are certain mechanics, um, you could think of this in terms of like video games where it's like there's an early game and a late game, uh, you know, certain mechanics don't really scale with cards, right? I don't think the Aether Quartz mechanics scales with cards. I don't think the fact that um, uh, Bahanar is two block, but only three wounds kind of like scales with cards. I think that gets worse the more cards are in there, especially the more accuracy and damage cards are in the game. 
just makes Bahanar kind of like, it's like, ooh, you know, he's th- he's on two block from, you know, from the get-go. That's really, really scary. And then it stops being scary once you have all these cards that kind of mitigate that. Um, but in, in things like Rivals and things like Nemesis, where you have less of those tools, that mechanic doesn't need to scale with your deck. It is just good from the get-go. And your opponent doesn't really have the tools to uh, to kind of like deal with that, right? Like they may or may not have the tools to deal with that. So um, I think we're seeing some of these older factions be like, oh yeah, these stats are good until you put cards on top of it or your opponent put cards against it. You know, that kind of uh, back and forth of um, counters and availability, like, Good defense is really good until your opponent has enough accuracy or rerolls to make it not very good. Good wounds are, you know, high wound count is really good until your opponent has enough plus damage cards to make it not really good. But like those accuracy cards and plus damage cards are even in Tooth and Claw where you have access to those, it's still pretty small amount compared to um, uh, to championship. So it, it really makes some of these factions with these good beefy stats and these good uh, reliable dice off the bat where they don't need cards to supplement it. They just, they just feel better. And I think we're seeing that with, um, the worms fat come back with gore chosen being really, really good. Just being like, Hey, five wounds is really scary to get through when you don't have access to great strength and glory seeker and all these other cards like savage strength, you know, you might have one or two in daring Delver or, uh, in tooth and claw, you might have one in your faction, but like, getting through five wounds is actually kind of tough, kind of a tall order in Nemesis. So uh, yeah, it's cool to see which mechanics bear out in which, uh, which format. So I'm just really enjoying that aspect of a uh, Nemesis right now. Yeah. Well said. I think um, that's a great way to kind of segue into closing out the Nemesis conversation. Derek, is there anything else that you want to add before we shuffle over to championship? You know what? I'm sure that uh, anyone that has been playing Nemesis already does know this. I do want to shout out the guys at Battle Mallet. Uh, they went through every warband, put together what they felt would be the best uh, Nemesis deck. So if uh, you just Google Nemesis decks Battle Mallet, you'll get straight to that page. Uh, if you want a quick start uh, to just finding a, an easy to use, it might not always be the best Nemesis deck uh, that you can build for it, but it will definitely be playable and you can do it uh, right out of the box. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, well said. I think those guys are doing really good work out there when it comes to those uh, Nemesis and Rivals formats. And so shout out to the Battle Mallet crew for making it easier for people to just kind of jump into the game. Um, or return mm-hmm. back to the game. Um, it's it's what we need. So it's awesome. Great shout out. Um, so let's jump on to championship. You know, I think we kind of spent, I think a little bit longer than we intended perhaps in the Nemesis um, conversation, but like it's important. Um, and it, it's, it's a conversation that um, I think maybe needs to be, needs to happen. Um, but I think, I, my, my concern is that like the last couple episodes we've gone on this nemesis track <laughs> and we kind of say the same thing a little bit. Um, so I, I hope that uh, our listeners understand that the reason that we are, I guess, hammering this home is because there is a quite a decent chunk of the population out there that likes to doesn't like to maybe, but is just meals maybe feels threatened by nemesis and it's not a threatening format. It's not taking away mm-hmm. from championship. We're not splitting our player base. We're just growing it in a different way and change is hard and it's different, but trust me, it's working because Houston has been dead for Underworlds for a long time and now it's 
<laughs> it's it's been pretty nice to go walk into a store and see like six eight people just playing Underworlds on a day that there was no event planned. You know that's incredible to me. Um, and uh, you know if I was a sentimental fellow, which I mean I guess I can be. You know would have brought tears to my eyes. So um, <laughs> anyways, let's go to championship. And this is where I think a lot of the conversations and a lot of the perhaps some of the staleness that I've been feeling has been happening. Um, I think it's no secret that Gnarl Spirit Pack are top dogs right now. Um, maybe that's a beast pun. Maybe it's not. But the idea of of this war band effectively starting inspired um, is, is pretty incredible uh, because of the way that they get those spirit counters and how quickly... I mean, they already have fantastic stats to begin with. And then you add on like plus one dice or plus one defense or six move and flying. And it's like, holy crap, these guys all move five or six. And one of them just becomes super tanky. Like, you know, we we're talking earlier about Bahanar and two block. I mean, Goral pretty much starts at two block, you know, like he has no business starting True. at two block, but he does, you know, so how do you guys yeah. feel about bear. he's tough. He deserves to be two block. Sure, but may- maybe not when the game starts, you know? Maybe when he inspired. I'm not anti-bear. Do you think he... Oh, I I guess we we need to ask this every time we have somebody on. Derek, do you think he's a bear or do you think he's a gorilla? I was certain he was a bear right he's off the bat. Yeah. He's 100% a bear. It's not gorilla? Is that not oh. the pun that they were going for? You know... Am I mistaken and, in this? And here's the thing. Uh, I am more confused... By the bro with the spear who's called Lupin. So, okay. He's, he's a wolf. Supposed to be a werewolf. Easy. But it, he's yeah. got deer antlers and he's got a crazy stabby uh, thing. So, I was like, are you sure he's not a unicorn or some uh, long striding deer or, you know, I some, hate all something of you. else? But so, uh, yeah, I mean, Look, these, are, these are important things to ask. I, I have definitely just, just had uh, some sort of bestial knowledge gap uh, trying to figure all these. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, go to go to the card called Violent Transformation. Um, you can do so at pathoflorypodcast.com and uh, you'll see our review there. A little plug. But wherever you decide to look up this card, look at Violent Transformation and tell me that Goral doesn't look like is being violently transformed into a bear spirit. It even has like the bear nose. It doesn't look like a gorilla. I guess. I guess. Yeah, sure. I don't know. What, yeah. I, I, I just like the pun name. I, I feel like the pun is worth any, uh, any weirdness with the art. Yeah. Uh, okay. But but back to the point. I think I think uh, <laughs> four wounds on two block um, is something generally reserved for the toughest fighters in the lore. I mean, that's Stormcast, right? And Stormcasts are supposed to be like imbued armor from it's a half naked dude running around, dude. Yeah, and and usually they have like some really bad inspire condition, unless you're Storm Sire. Uh, to get to that inspired side. And then Goral's just like, yeah, by the way, I activate and I have the same defensive profile, <laughs> which is, which is really scary. I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, we've heard a lot of, I, I think you're right. Anybody who's been online and has been paying attention to underworlds for a while is just like, you know how strong the team is. You're seeing the results now. Like it was theory crafted, how strong they were. It was kind of like 
talked about how strong they were. Now we've got two events and both of them won by Gnarl Spear Pack. And I think runner up by Gnarl Spear Pack in both of them. And um, I don't know. I mean, I it, it's hard to say what you would even change about them if you were to change something about them other than just hitting the restricted cards. I, I So, yeah, that's actually a good conversation to have. Um, so, I guess we can start by saying, you know, if you're trying to get into the meta or if you're looking into Underworlds right now, Top Dog is Gnarl Spirit Pack, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think we can all unanimously agree. Um, and and uh, like, let's... As, as a supplementary to that, not to cut you off, as a supplementary to that, we advocate playing power factions here. If you want to pick the, the top dog and you just want to pick whatever's winning events, go for it, man. More power to you. I support such an action. We're not weird hipsters here. Yeah, no, every single person on this podcast likes playing strong things. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I think as competitive-minded players... If you want to win an event, then you would, you would, you would, it would make sense to pick the warbands that will give you the best chance of winning that event, right? And if they happen to be overpowered at the time, well, that's just the world you're living in. You know, every, the meta changes every couple months. So enjoy it. Going back mm-hmm. to the Gnarl Spirit, though. Okay. So we think they're number one. Why is that? Stats are nasty, great cards, um, hit like trucks, cool. That being said, and they synergize really well with Tooth and Claw, which is um, a lot of B stuff, but also Daring Delvers, actually, if you think about it. So what would you change, right, if it came to bringing this warband down from an S-tier warband to perhaps maybe an A or, you know, yeah, let's just say A. We don't need to nerf them into B. What are some things that you would change differently? Derek. So this is actually uh, not just true for the Narrow Spirit pack, but this will work for just about everything throughout the meta. Uh, there, there might be one or two cards that you hit on the restricted list uh, for the the Neural Spirit or for the Tooth and Claw, but there are more uh, championship cards or universal cards that I think would be better on that list that not only would... They, they would probably hit the Neural Spirit more because... There's a little bit of that, whether you call it redundancy or able to combine it, but it would also do the same thing for people that are annoyed at Hexbane's hunters that are getting six dice with full supports, right? Uh, I I would suggest there's here. Let's see, I can pull this up here. I I would almost think uh, cards like Live for the Fight, uh, Dark Parasite. Call to, call to Heal maybe doesn't need to be restricted. I think it's got uh, a lot of cool stuff in there. Uh, Internal Surrender, I think, uh, can get abused. Uh, Ferocious Bite already is, which is great. You know, there's uh, there's a number of cards. Oh, uh, Blood in the Deeps is uh, probably in every deck now, just with that errata. So I, I would say you don't necessarily... Uh, there, there's some cards that you could restrict in there. I think that would work great, but... Uh, but if it was just like a Gnarl yeah. Spirit pack change that you could implement, um, just just to, you know, hit this particular warband rather than all the warbands, or, yeah. you know, the, what would you The problem you is I, I honestly don't think they need to be. Uh, I, I think you're getting uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the same, uh, I guess, overpoweredness or, or all, the, uh, all the same cheese, if you want to call it, 
from Hexbanes, from uh, Kanans. Uh, even, you know, uh, apparently there are a couple guys tearing it up with Moloch right now. You know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff out there that could get there. I, I think that uh, getting too scared about Gnarl Spirit right now, uh, I think uh, might be an overreaction. So I, I'd like to... Uh, no, I I want to nerf Ripa's a whole lot more than I want to nerf uh, Gnarl Spirit. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would push back on that. Like, I don't think it's fear. I think it's proven at this point. Look at every single event that's been run. Um, Gnarl Spirit pack are winning. I mean, you want to talk about... Um, we talked about the Nemesis event already, but you want to talk about the Warhammer Clash that just happened, the Mini Clash in, in, uh, in Nottingham right now. Um, first and second are Gnarl Spirit, undefeated. You know, only one game loss between the two of them. Gnarl Spirit... Um, are also again shown as eighth. We, you know, you talk about the the Vassal League playoffs right now. Um, Narl Spirit are heavily represented and, and and are winning. I mean, you're playing Narl Spirit, you know. And actually, you're, you're I, and I and I have this. Uh, there's actually three Narl Spirit. There's three Hexbanes. Uh, there's three Canaan's Reapers, and yeah, and two Molog. Uh, no, no, there's there's not. There's the ones. The top eight is. Oh, three the, is there's uh well the, the last games that played which led into top eight yeah. was Hexbane's Null Spirit, Gorchos and Reapers and Mad Mop, which is right. a fairly accurate representation of the meta. And we're not saying that we're just singling out the Null Spirit pack. We're gonna get to Hexbane's. We're gonna get to some of those other warbands because they also need to be hit, in my opinion. Because I think though both those warbands start the game favored. Yeah, I. I think there's a, you know, we've been talking, we've been banging out about Gnarl Spirit. Hexbanes has been kind of talked about in every circle in kind of the same breath. Um, but Gnarl before Spirit we jump stands- into Hexbanes, I, I don't mean to cut you off, yeah. Zach, but I do want to finish off the Gnarl Spirit sure. pack conversation. I guess right. my, my thing is like, you know, Derek doesn't want to change Gnarl Spirit pack. Completely understand. Um, you know, maybe he favors mm-hmm. a light touch or more universal approach when it comes to, you know, nerfing or, you know, bringing Warbands back down into a, a you know, a manageable bell curve. But for you, Zach, I mean, you know, we've talked about this a little offline as well, but like, what are some changes that you think the designers at Games Workshop could make in order to just maybe bring them down a peg or two to where they're not just like the favored matchup in almost every game? Um, I think the easiest one would just to be make overcome a reaction to the activation. Uh, so then the it happens at the end of the activation before the inspiration uh, rather than immediately getting the beast. Um, It also clears up some questions about like, when does the uninspire step happen? Because I've had some people ask me at local events like, Hey, you know, you've put a beast thing on, do you immediately uninspire? Do you have to wait till the inspiration step, which doesn't happen a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of uninspire in the game. Um, But uh, I think just being able to, not being able to go right Crimson Kira first activation, you know, round one activation one is move five with scything probably improves the game quite a bit. It doesn't really stop Goral from getting really durable. Uh, it doesn't, um, uh, it doesn't prevent Lupin from getting pretty durable with his, uh, his free uh, successes, but it stops that immediate aggro. And I think that's where a lot of the terrifyingness here comes from is just like, they get aggro very fast and they do aggro things really well, really fast. So slowing that down by like a couple activations, I think 
would be a relatively gentle touch without changing anything about the faction. Yeah, that's it's an interesting thing. Like my my counter to that would be like just give them a spirit counter after the activation, which is pretty similar. I think maybe the same thing to what you're saying. Um, well, yeah, I guess I, I'm saying after the activation in the reaction step, but you're probably saying like not as part of the reaction step, which yeah. it's kind of six one half dozen together. It, I think making a reaction would make it a little bit cleaner, but it's kind of it's basically the same. And, thing. and you know what, I, I I could actually really see that that would work uh, because when it comes down to it. Uh, it means Blackwing wouldn't be able to have that threat range of nine. It's only seven, which I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. Uh, yeah, you want to activate uh, Gorilla uh, first uh, in order to get uh, that defense. So you're you're really trying you you want that uh, you want that activation after the. Uh, after the action anyway, so that will be fine. I can understand that uh, nerfing Kira a little bit uh, would probably help the game state. Uh, I've got a feeling she is going to be soaked in goblin blood in uh, about a month, <laughs> and uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, long cut, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, counting, uh, counting double support as success off the start, it, it makes that uh, impact charge uh, pretty good, which... Uh, Super reliable. Yeah, which, which does make it reliable. So I I would almost agree on that, that that's probably a, a good call. Yeah, to Derek's point, I don't think we need to jump into nerfing right away. Like, uh, yes, you're right. Every, every event has put up Gnarl Spirit winners. Like, it's obvious that they're really good. It also has only been like, four or five major events. Um, it, it, you know, it is a small usually, sample size, you, yeah. It, it, it's a small sample size. I mean, I think the the issue is that they are strong and straightforward. You know, we're not quite talking about Hexbane yet, but Hexbane is strong and complex. You need to be a good player to play Hexbane. I mean, you, yeah, it, even a bad player can stand there and shoot and kill most things, but like, I think once you get to the top tables, you need to be a good player to pilot that faction. Well, I think a, I, I hate calling people bad players because I think that's very mean, but like somebody who's not a top table player or some top table player, somebody who's a, like a mid table player usually can pick up Gnarl Spirit Pack and punch way above their weight class in terms of metagame because it is a very easy faction to pilot. Um, and I think that's really skewing the results. I don't know if that's going to continue. It probably will. But I, I don't think it's worth nerfing right now. I think we should reevaluate in like February. You know, yeah. Give it a couple months, see what happens. So for me, like I'm so it sounds like you guys are both like um more relaxed when it comes to far and hitting warbands. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like I just think it's like it, it's it's evident. Like I think the warband hadn't even released yet and people had just seen their stats and were like, this is gonna be a problem. Then you see oh, yeah, then you see thing. the cards. And you're like, oh wow, this is in, this is insane. Then you start playing games, and you're like, wow, this is crazy. And then you start seeing events, and you're like, oh wow, they're winning everything. Well, actually, it's not that surprising because we knew that, you know. Like, so for me, it's like there's a problem. It needs well, to I, be fixed. It doesn't matter if the sample size is small, because I guess it doesn't take, in my opinion, I just don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see how strong the warband is. And and both of you agree, right? Like, yeah. 
I would say that I would be definitely okay if the next far came out alongside Lude Court and there were three Neural Spear restricted out there. I don't think we need to errata the faction. Like the thing that we've been talking about with changing how Beast Spear counter works, yeah. I think that's something for down the line. If they hit him with three restricteds off the crack and hit a bunch of universal uh, restrictions that they use regularly, yeah. I'd be more than happy with that. I, I think that would shake up the meta. As well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess for me, it's like I wouldn't – I don't think we need to see three restricted cards. Mm. I say let's hit one or two max and then mm. errata them to where they don't beast out immediately because it's already mm. – It's. I think to me, and this is just my opinion, right, which is the minority sure. here, is that it's very evident that they're too strong the moment the game starts. And as Derek mentioned, yeah. threat ranges, charge distance. Like, I mean, if you went to someone, right, and just said, hey, mm. you want to play a warband where – Six move, five move, five move, and a three move dude with two block. Oh, and they all hit very accurately. Oh, and 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 oh, and they have scything, and they have magic, and they have this and that, and they have two dodge. Like, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be like, wow, that sounds really good. You know, yeah, <laughs> and that's the, the war band. The one thing I'll say to that, I mean, everybody screamed and uh, cried when Exile Dead came out. Uh, you know, every nerfed. everybody rightly assumed that Hexbane was going to be really good. Uh, I I seem to recall uh, someone getting super salty after uh, losing a match against Grimwatch uh, when they came out. You know, so that uh, that that just happens uh, all over every, every time something's well, shiny and new. So I would agree with you, Derek. But the two warbands you brought up were like complained about not just by me but like by numerous people to the point where they were nerfed and they're still nerfed you know to this day so i i don't i don't know yeah well both those factions also have clear downsides uh the i think that's one of the biggest things about neural spirit for me is like what's the downside of this faction what's the counter there's, how do you like there's you have to kill them before they kill you and that's just not yeah. that's not a counter the the plan the plan and exile dead is you know either bleed glory and just like murder as many little guys as you can as fast as you can, which works a lot, or you dive Dentalos and kill him. And when you do, you win the game effectively most of the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. You can also just longboard and, them and they lose. Yeah. And then like Grimwatch is like, stop the inspiration and kill Crack Marrow. And then you've basically won the game. And, you know, there's not like that clear plan. If there was a clear plan, if it was like, as soon as you kill Sarakar, they stop being able to do beast token stuff and like all that goes away and you just have to kill the leader. Yeah, I think that faction loses a lot of steam, but like they don't have that. So, so I'm just <laughs> going to say it's because in our local game. meta, uh, just about everybody is picking up Neural Spirit off the bat. I, mm-hmm. I played a lot of games against them. Uh, there, there's definitely a plan. Uh, I'm not going to tell Amon what it is right now because I think we're going to be playing pretty soon. But I mean, uh, Zach's going to Zach's going LVO too. <laughs> I mean, it's not just me. Uh, so. Yeah, but uh, no, you know what they. They, they don't have the inherent obvious weakness uh, that that you described for Exiled in Grimwatch. Uh, I would I would honestly put them more akin uh, to Ripa's. Uh, Rippus sure. is very strong right off the bat. Uh, your opponent needs to make some, uh, honestly, two not really good decisions right off the bat. Uh, they they only have a couple restricted cards. I, you know what I, I am am willing 
to look at uh, seeing that how we could tone down our spirit a little, I would be more inclined to go the restricted route. And if, uh, if they really need to get toned down after that, then sure. But I think baby steps are, are the way to go on that one. Fair enough. I mean, I agree. I agree that they're closer to Ripa, but like, yeah, killing, you know, attacking Ripa and chunking him down and even killing him like inspires the other two, but like stab it inspired is not Goral and beast mode or Goral inspired. Stab it inspired is not Crimson Kira. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel quite as similar to me. It, it does in the it, sense it, that like, we it's can't go that down overwhelming that feeling of I'm getting charged and I'm dying immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's the same. That's true. And so that's the, sure. that's what I think Derek is saying. And I completely agree. There are games where I get rolled off the table when I play against both factions and I just feel like I have no control over my experience. And that happens, and that's okay. It's part of the game. It's and Mulligan, Hrothkorn. Yeah, and the, I, I hate all of those war bands. I mean, you know, like yeah. Um, there's a there's a there's a trend clearly, but for me, it's I think like look, if you're listening, I'm sorry that we've maybe gone all over the place when it comes to this, but it's important things to talk about. Like they're really strong. They're running the game right now in this current meta, mm-hmm. and and I think that they do need to be you know, maybe knock down a peg to the degree of the knocking is, is a variable is in contention on the podcast. But I think we can all agree as we have that, you know, there needs to be a little bit of change, but sure. Let's also talk about the other, I guess, elephant in the room, which is Hexbanes, right? Like mm-hmm. they're also a very good war band. And while I don't like, I think Zach, you mentioned earlier, they may not necessarily be a war band that is, um, I don't want to use the word simple, but maybe as straightforward. Straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Jinx. Um, as the Narl Spirit, they certainly have the similar tendencies where you can just feel like you're getting rolled, like that Ripa effect, if you will. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with like you put a lot of mental strain on your opponent because there is no good choice. Mm-hmm. If you kill a dog, then your other fighters are still going to hit you. If you kill a fighter that's tooled up, then maybe another fighter who has a charge token takes that charge token off, or you inadvertently tool up another fighter because you give them a free upgrade. So there's, there can be a bit of analysis paralysis when playing against hex banes, which I can understand mm. as well. And that pressure can affect your opponent in a different way, but it, it still feels like damned if I do damned, if I don't type situation. And I think that's one of the strengths of hex banes, but it's also like some of their upgrades are insane. You know, and that's probably where you knock these guys down a peg. You guys tell me as people who are maybe not as like, you know, aggressive with the far list. Like, what do you what would you do when it comes to hex veins? Like, why do you think they're so good and what would you change about them? So uh, and and it's funny because I think this is what defines the meta uh, is what makes them really good. And it supports being so much more prevalent now than they were before so if you take uh hex banes uh that have the dogs that are almost always going to be supporting uh right before norwood came out i was seeing a lot of cruel boys and i've got a feeling they're only one or two cards away from becoming really good because they they have those double support gobbles um one of the reasons that i think uh dreppers uh does really good and also is probably just one or two cards away because they're able to get that push to support. So, uh, and then you've got Narl Spirit, where Lupin can, once he's inspired, he supports uh, everybody, uh, all the beasts. 
and then you've got uh, Sons of Elmorn, where with that command token, he's supporting all, all of his kids. So I, I really think that that's what has changed in this meta, that, that if, if you're looking at it from a strictly Warhammer way, uh, now instead of uh, saying that your, your weapon skill is 3+, plus, well, now you got a plus one to your weapon skill, right? With that support. Uh, mm-hmm. And especially with all the plus one dice attacks that are out there, that exponentially makes uh, makes your attacks so much better along with stacking Grievous. So, so why are they good? I, I think it supports. And I think that that's a theme that gets carried through uh, just about everything that's doing good right now. And I, I think that that's going to be something that everybody's got to play to, or they need to make sure that they've got a counter to it. Um, I somewhat disagree. Uh, I think the supports are a big portion of it. I, I think that really makes them accurate. It really helps the fact that they're range because there's not a whole lot of range uh, boosters out there. I mean, there's really just determined effort um, and like maybe a couple determined effort clones. Um, but being able to get that free dog support is like, it's free support, man. Like it, it makes it makes uh, your three fury shooting attack or your two hammer shooting attack so much better. Um, for me, I think the big issue with hex pains is one uh, objectives. We all know how good their objectives are. There's, they've got like two or three auto score end phase two glory objectives. Like most of the time, they're not necessarily auto score, but like proof of guilt is auto score like ninety nine percent of the time. It's crazy. Um, and I think that's easy enough to far. I think the the more complex one to talk about is the fact that this is a ranged faction. You know, I, I said back in Night Vault days, before I was on this podcast, before I really did content creation, um, that like they could never, that Profiteers was a problem because like they could never print another, sh- like they couldn't print good shooting cards because it would make Profiteers too good. And they couldn't print another shooting faction because they'd have to power creep it and power creeping profiteers would make the next shooting faction way too strong. And here we have like the next actual shooting faction. We haven't had like a good range three focused faction since profiteers. Like there've been factions like dinky range, range three shooting, like uh, Starbolt stalkers have and stuff. But like, this is the first one we've had where it's like you have three fighters with guns and they all are good at using their guns and they are good. They have good stats to start. They inspired a good stats. They have good uh, power cards to support them. They have those free supports and they have objectives that work with their shooting attacks. And I think it's pointing out the, I don't want to say issue because I think it's interesting that range three exists in this game, but it does present a balanced conundrum, which is that like, if you're playing a, a move three range one faction, like sons of Velmorn, like how do you approach Hexbane's hunters? How do you po- approach Thundric? But how do you approach Hexbane's hunters? Because they do all the things that Thundric does, but better. And range three has always kind of put that conundrum. And now we finally have a faction that just has a really good rivals deck for doing it and has kind of all the tools it needs to make range three work. And I think it's just a problem. I think it, I I hate calling it a problem because I think it leads like it's diverse and it's not just a a, samey war band. It's cool to have this range three in the game, but like 
range three causes problems when most of the game is range one. Range three has problems when most of the, the game is move three at, or move th- four at fastest. Like, how, how do you deal with the fact that one team always gets to have the um, advantage in terms of like deciding what combat looks like because they have range, because they can zone, because they can set up kill boxes with shooting and supports and blocking fighters and stuff. It's like, I, I think it's really a question that doesn't have an easy answer um, other than just like restrict cards until they don't feel so powerful. And I don't think that feels good either. So what what do you guys think about the fact that these guys are a really powerful shooting faction that has supports and has cards to go with it? it it's a good, it's a good question to ask. And, and you know, I, I, I do think they're a good shooting faction, but I don't know if that's their true strength. I think the strength is that there's just so many different options that they provide. Like, because if you look at the way you play, yes, Pac is like, he's, uh, you know, I, I like to equate him to Lund, you know, like mm-hmm. he's like the Lund of the group. But um, like Amos, Amos is, um, I guess he's Kazgan, so that makes sense, sure. Um, but uh, like, I think for me, the the the, the problem and maybe not the, that's not the right word, but the challenge with Hexbanes is that it's it's their cards. They're just so good. Um, but do you think the same deck would be that strong if everybody was range three, move one? Or, sorry, move move three, range one? I think the deck would still be good. Because the, the, the see, if, you, if we look at the... If you tell me right... So if I was to tell you right now that I'm playing a warband that has... Four fighters, they're range one and range two. We'll take away range three. Um, they have the same damage output as they currently do, and they have the same dogs. And I said, hey, one of those dudes, you can get plus one damage for every success they roll. And I said, another dude, um, you can re-roll your defense or get plus one defense. You have a built-in glory seeker. You have a built-in um, trophy hunter that also could like is just an anti-death card. You have a, a card that is army of one, but better. And then you have plus one dice within snare. And you would probably say that's insane. Uh, honestly, for yeah, these but- guys, I, I, I don't mind for the most part, their stats, uh, whether it's, it's with their range three or not, you know, if, if they were a range or I'm sorry, uh, a move for range one, uh, so you take away uh, effectively one threat range on there. I I think they'd be powerful, but I think they'd be fine. Uh, even this move three, range three is, uh, you know, you can deal with it. But uh, I think you're right. It's the cards. I I would almost say, you know, restrict lives well spent, proof of guilt, uh, no, two, maybe even two more, maybe even restrict four of them just so you can't take all the easy glory plus everything else. And, and that you could call it a day, but I mean, that's, that would be my, my same solution for, for narrow spirit. If uh, you're unhappy about those. Right. So that's, yeah, that honestly, I, I don't think there's anything uh, inherent about either, either team that really needs to get taken down. I think uh, just restricting uh, some of the cards in order to make sure that they can't do all the crazy sick combos in championship, I I think would uh, solve a lot of those problems. I agree. I mean, 
I think like, you know, you hit probably proof of guilt and charmed horseshoe. Yeah. And that's probably enough because then now they're going to auto take those. So now they have to pick between, you know, ferocious bite contest mm-hmm. of equals duel of wits. Oh, retractable um, pitfall. That's, that's, I think the one I, I love that card so much that I think it has to get restricted. Hmm. Really? Oh, no. Uh, yes, and, absolutely. And I think it needs a restriction. Attack that you could throw Fighter's Ferocity or Glory Seeker on there. Uh, it can't be modified, right? The characteristics. So it's always going to do. Oh, really? So it's always going to do one. I, I think so someone might have cheated against me then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe I cheated. Honestly, I wouldn't put. It well, you you point. can give you can give a fighter's ferocity, which gives it grievous, which is not a okay. characteristic. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Maybe that's the case. That's true. But either either way, uh, and honestly, I love the card, and I I will seriously uh, do a little quick draw motion every time uh, I use it in a game. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, look. I, it, I think it needs to be restricted because I play Exile Dead and I hate that card. <laughs> <laughs> look at you. Look at like guys, come on. You know? <laughs> um and, and I'm look, just I saying, say, I'm, I got prejudice. I get you. I, we're all a little prejudiced. Um look, I agree that look. Let's just start off. I just want to preface by saying, or maybe it's too late to preface at this point, but I'm playing Hexbane's Hunters in the Vassal League. Um, Derek is playing Gnarl Spirit in the Vassal League. Like Again, we are playing these warbands and we are, are, are benefiting from their strength. It, it, so we're not judging anyone for playing this stuff. What we're saying is as people who have played these warbands, and I enjoy both of them tremendously. Look, I love aggro. ABC guys always be charging. But th- like I at some point have to just take my unbiased or my bias hat off and be like, this is getting a bit ridiculous, you know? Cause like sometimes I just, sometimes it's just a little too easy. And, and I think that takes away from the balance of the game and it skews and warps the meta tremendously. Um, some people find that fun. You know, how can I figure out how to, to knock these guys out? Uh, and that's cool too. And we will talk about maybe dark horses and counter picks, but it's no secret that Gnarl Spirit and Hexbane's rule the roost. And uh, I would love personally to see them both knock down a peg, if only because it's the right thing to do when it comes to the game's balance. Um, you can wait till after LVO, sure. But um, at the end of the day, like if they were to both get nerfed tomorrow, I would probably be happy, despite the fact that I'd probably have to reevaluate my entire strategy. So... Um, <laughs> That's, I think, what? where we're at. Do you think the do you think the restrictions would just be enough to bring them in line? Yeah, because then you don't get those other benefits. You don't get those those other cards: lurking uh, horror, ferocious bite, duel of wits. Contest of equals alone is worth it, right? So if you if you if you mm-hmm. restrict proof of guilt and charmed horseshoe, that's it. You can only take contests. You're not getting. Ferocious Bite, Lurking Horror, whatever gambit of your choice. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a compelling, compelling choice. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Gnarl Spirit may be a little bit more, but I don't know. Derek and I can disagree, agree to disagree there. But um, So, aside from those two, what else is you know, dominating the meta? I mean, like, what is the meta, right? Like, 
we talked about that vassal top eight right now, which is per the last round, Mad Mob, Reapers, Gore Chosen, Hexbane, Narl Spirit, right? And then we talked about yeah. how the uh, that clash went over in the mini clash in Warhammer World. And then we also see Gore Chosen, Mad Mob, um, Rippas join the Narl Spirit and Hexbanes with also Wormspat as well. So do you think the, the the meta is just charge at each other and kill each other? Like what is what is y'all what are your thoughts? So it it's definitely leaning towards that right now. Uh but I I think there's about five or six factions that uh once Fierce and Fortress comes out, there's gonna be the one or two cards that they need. And I, I don't know what's in there. I get an idea of the theme of the deck. Uh, but just by increasing that card pool, uh, I I really think uh, besides besides the teams that you mentioned, I, I think Thorns of the Briar Queen uh, have you know they they've definitely been dark horses that I think are are good there. Um, I had mentioned Mournflight before uh, Crimson Court. I don't know if I mentioned before, but I I've got a feeling that they're going to be uh, pretty good pretty quickly here. Uh, there's yeah, I, I think I think we definitely have a tier system right now. We've got the S tier of about three or four bands. We've got an A tier of all the other ones that made up the top sixteen, and then we've got a B tier that uh, are. I, I've got a feeling as the season goes, we're really going to see them come up. And do you think these warbands that are landing in these top spots, like what what is it about them that you think is allowing them to compete? You know, like Zach, you know, you you like Reapers. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Reapers are 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 able to hang at the moment? Um, I think for the same reason Exile Dead can still relatively hang. Um and they're not represented here, uh, and I we haven't really talked about them. I might be again biased about them. I still think they're quite good. Um, my opinion of the meta is that it is midboard centric. We are focused on charging to the middle of the board and brawling near no man's land because a lot of things are hold a feature token enemy's territory put all your fighters in enemy territory. And for a lot of factions, that's not dive deep six hexes into enemy territory. That's step one or two hexes over the line and keep fighting, which means a lot of, a lot of action happens mid board, which means a lot of action happens at that choke point, because a lot of times you're going to offset Kynan's Reapers and exiled dead to an extent you get to choke up the middle of the board with bodies. And if your opponent is charging into that, you know, offset board where there's only four hexes to go through, maybe less if there's a blocked hex there, um, you're getting easy supports, you're getting easy surrounds, you're getting big setups for Kynan to kind of stand there and have a bunch of more tech around him. You're getting good setups for uh, Coil to punch somebody and then punch them towards Balt who can do the finishing move type of thing, right? Um, and the factions that we're talking about being good really benefit from this uh, style of play. Um, Gnarl Spirit like to just charge right over the border. Hexbane like to put a couple guys over the border, be it just the dogs or um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Bridget right over the border with her scything attack and then supplement that with shooting. Uh, um, 
Drom loves the midboard because I have that massive prayer ping as well as just like their five wound brawlers that love to be in the middle of the board and fighting and step over and hold an objective in enemy territory. And a lot of the uh, universals, I think the reason those factions do well is because a lot of the universals right now benefit that. Tooth and Claw and Daring Delvers both are about being in enemy territory and occasionally holding features in enemy territory or all having move tokens or whatever, right? Like it's all just like, go, go to the middle of the board, go across the board, go to your enemy, charge, fight. And if your faction synergizes with that, like the top factions do, you're going to do well. Uh, you know, we've seen Wormspat do well because I think they're fine at those mid-board brawling. So they get a little bit of a comeback. But like, I don't think you're going to see, for example, <sighs> what's a good example? I don't think you're going to see like Grimwatch do really well because they hate that style of play. You know, they want to sit on objectives and then occasionally somebody send somebody dashing over the line. Like you're not really going to see skeletons like old school sepulchral guard really do that because they want to hold objectives and they kind of want to play a slower game. Like until we see what comes out in fearless uh, or in fearsome fortress uh, to Derek's point, I don't think some of these factions are really going to see play and there's just not the cards to support them. And a lot of that stuff disappeared in dire chasm because we lost dominant position. We lost some of these other, uh, holding feature things or like flexible positioning type of uh, game plans that don't really exist anymore. So I, I think if you're not falling in this midfield brawling sort of thing, you're not really hanging in the top tiers. So that that's my, my five cents on the matter. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good summary and it, it's true. You know, like the meta, the universal pools often dictate what is good and what is not and what, works and what doesn't and right now it's just all about aggressive strategies and invading enemy territory mm-hmm. um which has kind of been like a recurring theme since harrow deep started um and uh, yeah. nether maze and gnarlwood now so maybe but you know what's interesting is that even though it's not as nuanced as maybe older seasons you know that provide maybe more varied play style it mm-hmm. seems to me that this is what people like though Right, like we have great numbers right now, and the game's all about just charging people. So there, I feel like there's a correlation, also. Derek, uh, you know, very, very much so, uh, and that I think even brings one of the biggest changes to uh, the Narwood and its effect on the meta is when you have those big elite warbands that want to stay in the center. You start to lose them, but if all of them have charged, they still get to attack or do an action uh, near the end of the round. So uh, Gorchos and I think really benefit from this because you you run Skullgrinder, Gorehulk, draw them up there. They've got some objectives that want them in the midfield, uh, but then Drom still has that two range, or all you need is one push. Uh, to get someone into a position that they can uh, do some more attacks. And I think we're, we're seeing that repeated in a bunch of the other ones. So that's why I think, uh, and, and the Hexbanes would be uh, an exception to this, obviously, because they're at that top tier, but because they've got so many that uh, uh, activate after you've charged rule isn't coming to effect as much. But I think for a lot of the other war bands uh, that, uh, being able to to attack even after you've even after everybody else has charged, 
that has made such a big difference to this game. And I think that that's affected a lot of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. We haven't really, you know, we talked about the rules changes in previous podcasts. We haven't really talked about it here, what the impact is. Um, yeah, they, they do benefit smaller warbands just better than bigger warbands. I mean, you know, as somebody who likes seven man swarm warbands, Grimwatch, Thorns, Exile, Dead a lot, like uh, it does hurt to see these things that don't really benefit me and in fact can hurt me quite a bit. But um, it does change the game. Like it, it's part of the game now and it's something we have to accept. And I think it is a it's an interesting question. Like were elite teams hurting so much in the past because of this? Um, maybe, maybe not, but this change is here to stay at least for the time being. So we'll, um, we'll have to see how this impact is going forward. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. It, yeah. It, that's true. It's a huge change for like, worm spat. I keep coming back to this because we did see them place highly in both of these recent events from this past week. But yeah, like, Three fighters, if you charge Sepsimus up, Sepsimus is a really solid range two fighter that can now charge and then still attack later on. That's really scary. That's like really, really, really good. So, yeah, um, big changes mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the championship meta. Yeah. And look, we've talked about warbands that are doing really well, right? And and um, I think mm-hmm. Wormspat is one of those interesting dark horse warbands to me um, because like they love ping. There's a shit ton of ping right now. But they also one of those few warbands that have like built-in damage mitigation. So mm. like the Gnarl Spirit and Hexbanes and even Reapers, they're just trying to kill you. If you can delay that for as long as possible and then hit them just as hard or just as accurately, Golgotch with three smash, Sepsimus at range two, two smash, you know, two damage, three damage. And like Fecula can ping with her with her range attacks. I mean, like, it's a good strategy. Um and, and they don't necessarily need to um they don't need to be super aggressive because they're not going to be the beatdown. they might struggle in matchups where they are the beatdown, but it's a great counter pick if everyone's just charging at you yeah and that kind of goes back to what i was saying about um scaling mechanics like damage reduction and two block on your two big guys because they inspired to two block like that didn't really mean much before because it was like, oh, all my fighters are five damage, you know, with three plus, you know, four dice, whatever, with a reroll. Now it's like there's not as much accuracy. And yeah, you can run great strength and uh, um, a glory seeker and maybe something out of tooth and claw. But like there's not a whole lot of factions that can just one shot uh, Sepsimus anymore, especially once he's inspired and has those two dice. So it's like. Yeah, I think that mechanic is really coming back around and it'll probably wane as more decks come out and maybe the damage kind of goes up again. But like for the time being, it works. And we haven't really talked about the factions that are kind of doing badly, but I mean, it's a pretty broad set of factions, you know? Well, let's talk about, and this is, it's a great segue because that's the next topic is like, let's talk about the warbands that are struggling. And, and why is that? You know, so there's a lot of warbands out there that may not be doing so well. I mean, there's there's a, just a ton of warbands in general now in year five of the game. But maybe Derek mm-hmm. and Zach, maybe, you know, pick two warbands and tell me why they're struggling and maybe what you would do to fix that. 
you know what? The the two that I would really like to see some adjustment to uh, would be uh, Stormsire's Curse Breakers and Eyes of the Nine. Uh, when they were in Night Vault, uh, because magic was so prevalent, uh, it, they they definitely both had Storm is probably more so, uh, but they definitely had a heyday, or they they had they, they were definitely in vogue. I would love uh, to see magic come back as something that was a little more viable, whether uh, it's in a rivals deck or in in some other capacity. Uh, that made those two in particular, and then I, I think just about anything else that has a wizard, uh, just a little bit more useful. That's uh, that that's probably the the biggest ask that I would have for for this game right now. Yeah, the magic conversation is interesting, and, and maybe this isn't the pod to get into it, but I think mm-hmm. like there's just been I think some hesitance from GW to put magic in like it was a night vault because. It was just so absurd, but I don't think it, but it's interesting because like a lot of the good magic was ping damage and like, there's so much more ping damage in the game now than probably ever, um, or maybe it's rivaling the night vault heyday with power unbound. Yeah. But what made magic so crazy was the guaranteed because of those channel upgrades, but those are gone now, right? I mean, curse breakers have one sure, but just make the spells focus. It's still a good, good attack role, you know? So I uh, I think that there there can be some magic change there. What was the other warband you mentioned? Was it uh, other than that, uh, for for Lark oh yeah, so just magic and magic. Yeah. Gotcha. What about you, Zach? Um. Well, first one I would I like Grimwatch is like my favorite faction of all time, so I would love to see them get a boost. Uh, I think they could probably stand to lose some restricted cards in championship. I don't think. I mean, temporary victory. In the name of the king slash temporary victory is still a really strong card, but like, I don't think it's so brutal now that it needs to stay restricted, um, especially given the state of the game and the state of the faction. Uh, th- there's less pushes to keep people out. Like getting inspired with them is really hard. Like we talked about the meta game. I don't know what you would really change about them outside of removing the restricted cards and. I don't know, maybe maybe changing their inspire condition to fewer than three enemy fighters in your territory is just, you know, just give them the uh, um, the opposite of the gets treatment where you just like slightly tweak their inspiration mechanic to give them a little bit of a boost. I don't know if GW will ever do that, but that's what I would do to kind of bring them back. Uh, but the other faction I would touch right now is Sons of Elmore. <laughs> Uh, we talked at length about Gnarl Spirit being a brand new faction that everyone could tell was really bonkers right from the get-go. Well, here's a brand new faction that everyone could tell was kind of mediocre right from the get-go. And I don't think you have to do a lot to change this faction. I don't think you have to lo- do a lot to fix them because their power deck's pretty good and their objectives are actually not bad. I think you just make a command counter appear at the start of each fa- start of each round. Like, I, I think it should happen without an activation and he should just always be supporting as long as he's on the board. Like I don't, or at least have it persist between rounds instead of going away. So, you know, you can set up Velmorn early on and then don't have to worry about it messing up your activation order later on. I just don't feel like for a brand new faction that you gave good models to that is in your starter box against the top faction in the game something should be done to help sons of Elmore. And maybe that's changing the mechanic. Maybe that's, you know, 
doing a more broad sweeping thing like you know improving some of the other cards or like putting graveguard on sir jedrin but like I, I don't know what the the thing you would do to change them is but i think something needs to be done because it really sucks to open up that box and compare the two teams that are inside of it right now it's an interesting conversation with the belmore and, and i agree for the reasons that you've stated also it's a it's an injustice given how beautiful those miniatures are um mm. I saw a lot of nods, head, head nods there. So I'm glad that you, it's, yeah. But the, the, the thing is, is like, yeah, the deadly command counter is something that you can certainly change. Um, you can make it to where, you know, you get one at the end of each round, but you can still make the reaction that way you don't, you know, or maybe at the beginning of the round, whatever, whatever the timing is. The interesting mm-hmm. thing to me is you can also just change their inspiration, right? We've seen games workshop not hesitate when it comes to changing inspirations. Um, mm. And I think there's something you could do there, um, personally. I don't know. I mean, the crit thing is is rough, but maybe it's maybe it's when you make a supporting a successful supporting attack action. And if you yeah, crit, I, you know, one of the or or you know what, uh, something that that I had actually thought because all these Graveguard and Sir Sir Jedrin, uh, they start at those two fury. Even when they're supported, uh, it's really only two smash for one damage, and uh, you know you you've got to use an action effectively to get that. What I would almost do if you wanted to keep deadly command uh, after the activation for King Velmorn, uh, maybe give Great Guard an additional attack and the support. Uh, what that would do would be uh, allow them to inspire a lot easier because even their inspired stats aren't bonkers by any means. Uh, so I, I think no, that would be really a, a slight thing. Get, give, the, give them that extra dice along with the support, and I, I think you might solve it right there. Yeah. Or you could just change sibling rivalry also to make it to where, like, after the final power step of the round, inspire two friendly fighters that have this yeah. ability. Yeah, I think there's some some straight buffs along those lines that, yeah, it, it's really frustrating because I played some this, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Um, I played these guys and I played Cunning Crew, which I think is actually really good and kind of underrepresented right now. I think Cunning Crew is great. I, um, I agree, by the way. Same. But it it's really wild to look at these because they're both five-man teams built around supports with a five-wound fighter. And it's like, wow, you know, yeah, the the gets and even Crookrin to an extent are kind of garbage. But like, you get multi moves, you get double supports, you inspire whether the supported attack succeeds or not, and your inspired side gets so much better. Like, Sons of Elmore go from bad to passable on their inspired side, and the Cutting Crew go from like good to great on their inspired side, and it's just it's kind of like a night and day difference, and like this is a core box from two seasons ago. Like why does this feel so much better and more interesting to play than what you have out right now? So it's, it's a little bit frustrating and I'm, I'm, I'm banging on about this cause I'm salty cause I love the models and I really want them to be good, but it's just like, it, it was a very frustrating experience in both, both times I played. You're also just like a death guy. I'm the death guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts me to not have even painted these guys already, but I'm just like, do you want to know something really it. sad? What's that? Even though I, we like, we got the starter, the, the review copy, like three weeks before the release, I still haven't built my Belmore. 
Because I just know I'm not going to play them. They, they were the first things no. I painted. I I really mm-hmm. enjoy painting them. Well, more more power to you, man. I I wish I was in your shoes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about. Well, actually, let me let me throw in some conversation there. Underperforming warbands. Um, I'd love to see maybe Iltharis Guardians be able to like do something. <laughs> I just feel like ever since Magic went away, they're also pretty bad. So maybe a same vein with Derek. I think you can throw that in the lump there. Um, I'd also like to see maybe Godsworn Hunt, Garrick's Reverse, maybe get a little and the spoilers, you know, maybe get some some synergy or help there. I think I think it's a crime that the Reavers all inspire to one dodge. Um, I think it is an absolute crime. They should all inspire to two dodge. And I think, in fact, you should have Arnulf and Targor start at two dodge because they're worthless sometimes. So just giving a little bit of survivability here and there, I think, to any of those warbands would be helpful because the Godsworn Hunt also kind of struggle on their inspired defensive stats, as do the Despoilers. Um, but you know, those war bands would do really well in this meta if they just had a little bit of help. So that's kind of where I'm mm. at. The last thing I want yeah. to talk about is unless you guys have anything to say to that, any comments there or should we just move on? Uh, I, I just feel, well, I, I somehow feel that, um, picking season one and two war bands is kind of low hanging fruit. Oh, I mean, do you want me to pick you, a recent war band? Well, we, we no, pick black just, powders, no. Buccaneers. I can pick Buccaneers if you want. No, I don't think it's bad. I just think it's like, um, if for the exercise, it's kind of like you can almost point to any season one, season one or season two warband and be like, wow, these stats are really not good compared to the stats we have nowadays. And it would probably be true for 90% of them. Okay. Uh, and well, I don't you know, think that, I, well, I don't think that's, I don't think that's bad. I think that's like an intended aspect of the game, but I agree. I think it would be nice if GW showed some love to these old ones. I mean, people still have these old models and honestly, the models still hold up. You could re-release these minis with new cards and people would still gobble them up because Garrick's Reavers are still re- really good looking minis. Like Yulthari's Guardians, to your point, like these are Sylvaneth models, unlike anything we've seen so far. And they're freaking awesome so it's like yeah it'd be great to see them do well again but i don't know they could they could use a little bit of love that's fair and and, and i and i don't take the, the comment negatively i'm just saying like for the sake of the exercise if you want to you know maybe expand on other war bands i i can pick some um but you know like storm of celestis it's a starter set war band that's not very good it's like the same oh, yeah absolutely. it's a gnarlwood problem right like they have mm-hmm. really cool miniatures if you're into stormcast but like they don't, <laughs> they don't compare at all to Wraith Creepers, right? Um, so it's the same challenge there. Buccaneers, Black Powders, Buccaneers. Um, I feel like there's so much potential there. Um, and honestly, I think Black Powder himself is fine. It's the supporting cast that needs some tweaks. But um, yeah, probably. Well, for for Anyways, the Buccaneers, so. uh, just make it that uh, the the leader gets swag whenever the supporters get a successful attack as opposed to the attack needed to be on a actual upgrade. Right. That, yeah, that would that's solve fair. that problem right away. Yeah. That's a good shot actually. Yeah. yeah I um, agree with that. Moving on to, uh, to let's talk about war bands that we think encounter the meta. We talked about warm spat a little bit. But what are some warbands do we think can maybe be dark horses? Maybe people 
you're like, I don't want to play meta. I don't want to play something that's bad. Maybe I want to play anti-meta or counter-meta. What do we think can do that aside from Wormspat? In terms of championship right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to say Soul Raid. Like, I almost feel like they're not Dark Horse just because everyone everyone almost unanimously, unanimously agrees they're still just a good warband based on their mechanics and cards. But like... Not many people are playing them. I also talked about a uh, cut and crew, and I feel like they're kind of similar in a lot of ways. Um, I think it's just like these these slightly more powerful but very technical fac- factions uh, that are not being played right now, but could be played uh, at a high level. That's I don't disagree. I mean, Soul Raid. I agree. Like. But the, the, the Cunning Crew, I think, is a good shout. I think they're a warband that, if you can survive some early charges, I think your warband can be in a good spot. This Torka mm-hmm. and, and Manok can really go to town. Yeah, you lose the you lose the mooks like 99% of games, but like as long as your big guys get inspired, you're kind of good to go no matter what. Yeah, and, and worst case scenario, you know, if, if like Shank inspired is too smash with Ensnare... If you really want to Voltron him, or you can even do cricket <laughs> with true. three Fury Grievous, it's, it's. I've, I mean, I've it's seen not, it happen. Jonathan has done it to me. Not in the terrible, past, so it works. Could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Derek? Uh, Dark horses. You know what? I really think that thorns, uh, thorns of the Briar Queen, uh, are are a little unloved right now. Uh, maybe I I would love to see in the far a couple of their cards become unrestricted. Uh, I think that that would give them a lot of viability, but they, they play in such a different way than everything else right now. And they have the opportunity to get a lot of scores, especially with their Delvers. that I, I really think that they'll be, uh, they'll, they'll definitely be really good counter meta with a couple more cards. And I think they're close to it now. That's, that's interesting, really, because I feel like the you can well, yeah, I guess Briar Queen being able to charge all over the place mm-hmm. and escapable vengeance. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, the minions, you, I just feel like you can just farm the small guys, but you put them in the back. Yeah, but what you do is you put them in you're the right. back uh, because Varklov can do it, only do his push once now anyway. Uh, you stick him up front, make sure he gets that done. It's it's pretty hard to take out a four wound two dodge fighter right off the bat. Uh, then you and have Everhanged and Briar Queen uh, right ready to counter punch. I, I I can see some really good tactics there. Yeah, their their big issue is they just don't have the end phases. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that's a bit of a recurring theme. Um, the, not to do too much of a tangent, just that uh, a lot of modern factions, a lot of the ones that we've talked about being really good, have a lot of reliable two glory end phase, and that's not something that used to be a guaranteed in faction thing. It used to be pretty rare to be like, "Ooh, they have a good two glory end phase, great." Uh, now you just kind of see a lot of them in the good factions, uh, and I think that's a big differentiator, especially because there's not a whole lot of good two glory end phases in the universal pool. Yeah, that's a good point. What's another warband, Derek? That that I would say is counter meta. Uh, yeah. 
Good question. You know what? Really what I would say, because if, if we're saying uh, hold the center, aggro is the meta right now, uh, what's doing really good at stopping that uh, would be being able to score that passive objective glory. And unfortunately, with uh, a lot of the cards from Dire Chasm rotating out, uh, a lot of those warbands have started to, to lose that capability. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I so like one of my picks is Starblood Stalkers, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think that warband can really can really hang um, because Clacktrock. It's it's pretty trivial to get him inspired, and then from mm-hmm. there it's like a four wound two block beater, right? That that can pretty much kill anything if he really wants to. Um, Autopodle with his movement de- uh, denial. It's not as um, um, not as scary as it used to be, yeah. but you still turn off charges, which is very useful. It's very useful, especially when you're playing against Null Spirit and Hexbanes. Um, and like, you know, if you're playing against a, a, a slower warband, I, I just feel like it's, it's, you're going to rack up the glory. Um, and, and they've mm. got that, I forget the name of the card. I don't know if it's Lords of Space and Time where you can just teleport to any other feature token on, on the, on the, yeah, on the board. Like Lord's- it's, it, it has to be an objective, but now objectives are face up. So that's good again. Yeah. So that's probably one of my picks um, because they can be quite stubborn and like, it, I don't know. I, I just find them to be compelling, uh, obviously. And then the another one is, is Malog, right? Like Derek, you mentioned this earlier, you know, like in a meta where like charge and kill stuff, mm-hmm. well, the hardest thing to kill is Malog. And he loves it mm-hmm. when you run up to him because then he just whack a And, you know, some of the, advice that has been shared on the internet is how to beat an spirit, kill them first. Well, mm-hmm. Mala can do that. Yeah. I'd agree um, with that. Yeah. Uh, plus with all the extra accuracy buffs that are out there now, uh, yeah. he, he's got a much easier time hitting people. Yeah. yeah. I would also say if you're along the lines of Starblood stalkers, if you're looking for a faction that can kind of issue the midboard combat and do some passive scoring outside of that, uh, you have to talk about Lady Harrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they have they still have an infaction distraction or an infaction um, dominant position. They have uh, one will is good again. Uh, so is um, uh, charge through an occupied or blocked hex. I mean, they have two enemy pushes. It's just it's just. Really I I would now. agree. I they're they're definitely one of the ones that I I think of uh, fearsome fortress which might be pretty geared towards their playstyle I think that they could be a lot of fun yeah I don't even think they're that bad with um because like with you. you can throw feature tokens in enemy territory and just be like ooh I've got this card that gives me double my move speed or I have a plus two move upgrade and I can just yeet myself into your backfield onto a feature token and be perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. The the only other warband I want to draw attention to is Purifiers. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. they can be defensive monsters. You know, like Miari starts at two dodge, Bahanar is at two block, Sonella and Aelin both inspire to two block and two dodge respectively. And um that reroll is pretty nice. You know, so mm-hmm. I um I, And they also have some good uh, passive scoring objectives as well. Yeah. They've also, they've got like a temporary victory in faction. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to Lathanum, who was my opponent 
last round. And uh, yeah, he definitely opened my eyes to how powerful this warband still is with Daring Delvers. And so I think that's something to look into as well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that kind of does it for the meta talk, unless anyone else had anything they wanted to throw in there. No, I think we got a good coverage of it. Okay. Well, there are a couple other things I wanted to, to, to shout out. Um, first of all, shout out to Val, one of our patrons, who had an amazing weekend at Warhammer World. Not only did he tie for first place during the Bugsman's Clash with Gnarl Spirit, he ended up placing in the top eight with Gnarl Spirit, and he got third best painted for his Gnarl Spirit as well. So shout out to him. He's our patron and um, has, was keeping us in the loop actually throughout the event, which is really nice to see. Um, some of the other things that he shared with us was the fact that there were indeed Dire Chasm shade glass trophies out there. They were yellow. Um, they just probably were never shipped because COVID. And that's okay. That happens. But it was nice to see that they exist. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, I hope they do release them in the wild at some point because I definitely want one of them. I like how they're different colored now, which is pretty cool. Um, makes me think the Harrow Deep ones would have been blue. Yeah, I, I thought so. would have looked really cool. Mm. Yeah, um, sad. The, the only other thing that I wanted to give a shout out to was the Vassal League. So we're currently in playoffs right now. Um, Derek, I wanted to kind of get your, um, I guess... Why don't you just walk us through what like your their Vassal League experience? Like, you know, you you regularly make playoffs. You 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 were, you know, top of the leaderboards. How did your games go? What did you play? What did you see? Like, let's let's talk through that. Yeah, so uh if I recall correctly, I played something different every week. Uh or played against something different every week. Uh I started off, I was playing the Murder Girls and uh running around with Shadeborn because they they were very much the last hurrah before uh they, they lost all the cover. Um, you know, it's, it was very much uh, indicative of the meta in the first month of Narwood uh, that you were seeing a lot, a lot of people try a bunch of different things, and now it seems to have settled uh, into those top choices. Uh, which which I thought is really good. Um, I love Vassal. I, I get to play people from all over the world uh, because my schedule is a little bit different than most people's uh, on this continent. It's great to be able to play against the Aussies or the Euros. And uh, yeah, a uh, really positive experience on this one. Uh, the one really nice part about it, I did have uh, Bear Dam, uh, who's David, He's organizing the Vassal League. He also lives in Edmonton, which is about three hours away. So uh, I actually made the trip up there. We got one of our Vassal games in person. Uh, unfortunately, he he tuned me. I, I think he tabled me like uh, turn two in both games, uh, which did uh, annoy me. I drove all the way up to Edmonton just to lose, but the chicken wings at the pub that we played mm-hmm. at were really good. So. That's awesome. And did you, um, I guess, walk us through your playoff game? So you played Null Spirit. I'm looking at the the bracket right now, and um, you, I guess, you went into the top 32 uh, at 11th, which is pretty solid. Um, it wasn't even top. Was it top 32? I guess it was really like a a top 20. Um, came in at 11th, and um, did you have a buy? Yeah, I got a buy the first week. So then you ended up playing K 
Kettle Wingenstedt. That's right. So Kettle is from Sweden. Uh, so he was uh, eight hours ahead of me. So we we actually played today, uh, noon my time, eight p.m. his. Uh, so it, it was great to, that we were able to finally work that out because both of our schedules got uh, pretty conflicty uh, over the week. Uh, he was playing Iron Souls Condemners, which I I think is definitely underrated right now. Uh, I I would definitely say that in all three of our games, it just came down to rolling crits, and I I think that it, all, all three of them could have gone either way. That's nice. Did you um, did you have any like cool moments you want to share, or was that really it? You know what? I'm I'm going to give him a lot of credit. He had Brodus, who who is one of my favorite uh, uh, players in this game, uh, just because he's called Brodus, and uh, he is the celebrity of all the things mm-hmm. that uh, I think Shadespire should be about. Uh, in our second game, I thought I was actually going to table him because I was able to take out the other two. He was able to get some defensive upgrades onto Brodus, along with uh, the one that gives him uh, an extra defense if uh, if someone's beside him because he's a brawler, and then all the other cool brawler bonuses that he had uh, in the build, and uh, he he wound up uh, just chewing up the narrow spirit uh, in that one. He he was a one man wrecking crew there. Uh, so, so yeah, my, my favorite moment was him actually taking me down. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, well, good. I, um, I'm also in the playoffs. Um, I guess I think we're playing each other this week actually. Um, but, uh, I was playing first week. Uh, there was like four games that had to be played because everyone else got bye weeks. Uh, I came in at 19th. So played Lathanum again, great player, super nice guy, uh, and uh, purifiers. Um, it was a really cool game. Um, I really, really was genuinely surprised by how powerful um, they can be, especially when you can't take Bahanar down quick. Um, the first mm. game we played, Amos, Amos just killed everybody. I got woodcutters axe on or strength on very quickly, and it was charge, and then he killed someone else, took the thing off, charged killed two people and then third round um, push kill and charge kill. You know, it was incredible. Um, and he learned very quickly he needs to kill Amos and he did in the second game. And I couldn't get through Bahanar. It was incredible. Bahanar just killed everybody. So we had two games where one fighter kind of just took everyone out. And the third game was a lot, a lot tighter. I won only one by one glory and it was because of pure carnage, you know? So uh, it was a really fun, fun thing to do. Uh, and then I played against Valerie Motet. Uh, this today actually um, right shortly after I finished shortly after Derek did and um, he played dread pageant and uh, first game, I just kind of killed stuff. Second game, he just killed me. So, uh, cause you know, hex veins are good at killing stuff, but they're also very fragile. Right. And uh, he had some great target priority in both games two and three. He just killed Amos off the bat. Um, the interesting thing about game three is I lost Pock and Amos in round one. I lost Bridget and Grotbiter in round two. So I I really only played with Hexbane. <laughs> and uh, I had like ended the game with like eight upgrades on Hexbane, including Bane of Evil. 
And I, I actually just killed everybody with Hexbane and, and Ratspike, uh, except for Vasilek. Um, but uh, Pure Carnage, again, saves the day, right? So um, it, it was cool. It was just Hexbane and Vasilek just staring at each other at the end of the game. Uh, but again, one glory with Pure Carnage. So I'll take it, and I appreciate it. I don't know if it's going to work against you, Derek, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, to getting our game in and, and maybe getting top four. We'll see. Yeah, I actually came in at 19th, so I was I squeaked in. Yeah, it was it was a pretty tight uh, it was a pretty tight top uh, cutoff there. I think a lot of people were really in contention. Yeah, and it's really interesting. We've had a lot of upsets today. Um, Beard arm, uh, he came he came in at 16, and he played. Uh, he played he played Toma, Tomas. I'm pretty sure Tomas was first and Tomas lost. I beat Valerie who was third. Derek, you played against uh Kettle who was sixth. So there was a bunch of upsets today actually. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. So that's Underworlds, you never know. Yeah. Any other thoughts that you want to add, Derek, to Vassal League and stuff? No, you know what? It's uh, I I don't always have the time to go into the season, uh, but I'm I'm always really happy when I get to. Oh yeah, short and sweet. Then um, okay, well I think that probably does it for the episode. It's almost midnight for us and pushing to eleven o'clock <laughs> on Derek's end. He's an hour behind us. Anything else anyone wants to add? Uh, or or just mention before we uh, we close out. No, I think we had a pretty good conversation. I mean, you know, we're we're gonna see Gnarlwood in both formats really kind of shake up in the next month or so when uh, the new decks come out, um, or the new deck and the new faction rather come out. Um, so I think uh, a lot of this talk is kind of in a wait and see what happens in the next far list, what happens in the next release, and. Hopefully, uh, some of the complaints we've had and some of the uh, talking points we've had that weren't necessarily complaints kind of get resolved, and we'll see what GW does with it. Completely agree. Derek? Uh, About the same. I mean, I I think... I I realize that uh, a lot of the conversation has been that uh, a couple of the teams are a little overbearing. I, I really think that that's going to even out as we go through the season. Roger that. Okay. Well, we've got Grincrack's Loon Court coming out, according to the roadmap, uh, in December, and allegedly Fearsome Fortress as well. Um, after that, it looks like there's another mysterious warband. Um, given the symbol there, anyone want to take a gander at what it could be? I'd love to hear I some, honestly have some no guesses. Idea. You got to take a guess, though. That's what makes it fun. Pulling it up here. Yeah, Zach, do you do you remember what the image looks like while Derek's looking it up? Yeah, for the for the next warband. Yeah, I my heart is still kind of set on um, like true Malarian Shadow Elves. I know we had the Shadeborn, but they're still part of Daughters of Cain. 
I'm hoping to see Malarian and his uh, his squad roll up, maybe through Underworlds or something. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I that's my wish. It's probably not what it's going to be because I, we haven't had any sort of Malarian Shadow Elf stuff teased yet, or at least like uh, really teased via Warhammer community. I, I would honestly say it, it looks like a death helmet of some type, but I. Do you think two death warbands in the same? Yeah, I know expansion? that. It, it I mean, it wouldn't be the first time we had two chaos last yeah, season. That's true. That's true. Actually, um, I would love to see, uh, like, I guess what people dub Umbraneth. I'm a big Amalekith fan, mm-hmm. or Malirion, as he is now called. Um, so I'm always happy for more dark elves. Um, don't know what it's going to look like in regards to this warband in particular. I mean, I can see um, that aesthetic. Um, I could see chaos even like maybe like a Bellacore themed warband. Um, like, you know, chaos that worships him specifically. That could be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in February. And then we've got beast bound assault rivals deck as well. And then the new season, probably in April or may so pretty exciting yeah i'm excited to see what the next uh, box actually looks like yeah any wish listing for you zach is, is umberneth your wish list <sighs> mm, i mean they're up there but um tell me what death warband you want I want another uh, Flesh Eater Court Warband, man. I want uh, this time. I want some of the big ones. You know, they've got the uh, oh, the, the Crypt yeah. Gas and the Crypt Ghouls. Yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. Or not Crypt Ghouls. I, I think that'd be really, really cool. Um, okay, I could dig it. Yeah, give them give them more of an elite vibe. Even though I like playing my swarm teams. Yeah, Derek, what flavor of murder are you looking? Uh, for? So I I would actually uh, wonder if we're going to get something from the new. Age of Sigmar Dominion set because uh, what did surprise me was that the Stormcast that got released uh, back in Harrow Deep uh, didn't necessarily fit into the new starter set uh, for Age of Sigmar. Uh, I, I think, like aesthetically, yeah, I, I think that that's something that they're missing. Uh, so I think those uh, Praetors or those uh, cool, cool spear guys, or, or even the the big ones that they had in there, uh, that's that's sort of where where I'm thinking the the next jump should be, uh, or or the most missing warband that uh, they they do have out right now. I dig that. Yeah, I mean, like they definitely, yeah, they definitely could use some of the more bigger, cooler looking aspects of it. Um, I would love to see like a Warcry esque warband, like the Narl Spirit Pack. I just want to see more of that, mm. um, like the Horns of a Shoot, Rotmire Creed. Actually, I would love to see Corvus Cabal in Warhammer Underworlds. I think that would be a lot of fun. Make great use of the flying mechanic. Um, so there's just some really cool stuff I think we could see. I mean, like, you know, we always laughed about how Poison really didn't really do much in, in the previous seasons. But like Tarantula's Brood, which is like those spider people. Yeah. That could be a cool be one cool too. To have, give them a mechanic. Poison everywhere. Max Bernstein will come back and say, finally... um well cool look i um i got all the questions i wanted derek thank you so much for joining the episode we really really appreciate it um you even got an awesome mic for us so i thank you for that um Mm -hmm. if people want to talk to you about warhammer underworlds how can they reach you 
they can call you, and if you think that they're not a stalker, you can uh, give me their number. I could do that, or they could maybe reach out to you on Discord. Oh, fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, I am <laughs> Captain Murder on Discord. Uh, yeah, you, you, you know what? People are welcome to reach out to me. Uh, I am, I, I do try and get on discord every once in a while, but I am pretty terrible about it. So if I don't get back to you right away, don't, uh, uh, please don't feel bad about it. I, I do try and get back to people eventually. 10-4. Any shout-outs you want to give? Uh, you know what? Everybody here in the local community, uh, you know, I, I get to play with uh, Jesse Pompowski, uh Yuri Romanoff uh, quite a bit. Uh, we, we've been getting uh, more and more in-person games in and building our community here. So the, the Calgary Union of Night Vault Tier 1 Shadespire homies uh, is... Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we are we are rising like the early morning Narwood, baby. Oh, God. You know what? I'll nice. leave that in. But I, I like that. Um, well, good. I'm glad that you're there. And uh, yeah, cool. Zach, any closing thoughts from you, sir? No, I think this was a really good episode. Um, I'm excited. You know, like I was saying at the beginning, I was kind of flagging a bit because I'm, you know, the, the meta seems like it's stabilized and slowed down. But I'm... Um, I'm excited again. Like this talk has really kind of revitalized me and I'm hoping we get some championship games in. Yeah. Well, we definitely can, uh, especially because LVO is coming up and we need some practice. So um, true. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode guys. So um, thank you so much for listening. Us talk all about all aspects of the meta. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you would like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash path to glory. Uh, you can find all of our blog content on path And if you have any fa- feedback, questions or comments, let us know on Facebook, Twitter, or discord at path to glory podcast. Um, you can also reach out to us on the basketball discord as well. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And as always, thanks for listening. And we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. There it is. More alcohol. <laughs>